0: Joe
1: Rogan podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan
2: experience.
0: Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. Mr. Sanhagen, we're up. <laughs> we're up. Thank you, sir. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. What, so what do you tell me, Jamie? Uh, There's a, yeah. a UFO yesterday?
2: Yeah, uh, NFL popular quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, former number one pick and Heisman winner. Yeah, I think he lives in Austin in the offseason, and he... Uh, saw a potential ufo last night he says
0: he says almost 100 percent. m and i just saw a ufo drop straight out of the sky on our way home from dinner we stopped and looked at each other and asked if either of us saw it very bright ball of light going straight down out of the sky towards lake travis could have been a drone Hmm. could have been some kids he's a football player yeah
3: are we gonna believe him because he's famous
0: yeah,
2: that's the only reason. Okay, it just got a lot of attention as well. Well, he's
0: famous, so you, you, you listen to his Twitter, I guess. I that's don't know. Have you ever seen anything crazy?
3: It, no. No? I I don't think crazy. Um, when I'm up in the mountains sometimes camping or whatever, I'll see, I feel like, some shooting stars and some yeah. stars, you know, fall which actually now that i'm saying it might be a little bit crazy so maybe i have seen some shit i don't know
0: <laughs> everybody wants to think they did right i want to think i've seen some crazy but i definitely haven't i thought i did when i was a kid but now i think i was probably lying yeah you know when i think about it when i was a kid i was probably full of shit <laughs> i probably wanted it you know what i'm saying like i probably saw like a military jet and i thought and i wanted it to be something cool like, I remember the first time I ever saw a stealth bomber, we were filming Fear Factor, and it was over Palm in uh, Palmdale, which is near Edwards Air Force Base. If I didn't know what that was, I would 100% think that was from another planet. Yeah. You know, when you see the thing, black wing flying overhead, it's like, it's pretty badass. Yeah, right?
3: yeah. I don't think I would, you know, I think that my brain would just immediately be like, uh, something can explain that yeah you know yeah, yeah well that's
0: the problem with anything like that it's like it's the idea that you're looking at something from another planet is so it's so outside yeah. of what you see every day you don't know where to put it
3: it's getting less outside though right right it's getting yeah. less outside which Seems is like weird it is. what's up with the uh because i remember you saying something about it on the podcast What's up with that bill that passed that said that the yeah. they have to release whatever information they have to release about? It's
0: the COVID relief bill. And yeah. inside the COVID relief bill, they gave, I think they, it was the CIA, they gave the Central Intelligence Agency 180 days or something like that to release all the information that they have about UFOs. Mm-hmm. Where, where are we at on that? I don't know. It's a good question. <laughs> what day are we on? They're not, they don't have to release no, shit. No, yeah. They're they not releasing shit. They say that. They go, shit. oh, this is what we got. We got a blurry picture. Get the fuck out of my yep. office. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> t- yeah. We're not going to know anything. <laughs> yeah. The idea that they're going to tell these senators and all these elected people what they know, they're not telling them shit. Unless
3: they, they the aliens told them that they have 180 days to tell everyone. Mm, mm.
0: Maybe. Right maybe. now you're talking. If Trump didn't tell everybody, we're not going to know. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. I think I remember when Chris Rock was talking about Obama and he was talking about Obama, people were disappointed in Obama's first administration and he said you gotta wait until the second term and that's when you do some really gangster shit. Mm. And Obama didn't do any gangster shit Mm. in the second term. But if Trump got elected again (laughs) in twenty twenty four because you can only do it twice, if he got elected again in twenty twenty four, maybe he would tell us. You know? Recount the votes. Maybe he get, <laughs> maybe get get on TV and that's the first shit he talks about right away. Here's we'll what say. here's
2: what the uh,
0: okay include is. included as a committee comment on the Intelligence Authorization Act. The committee directs the director of the National Intelligence in consul- consultation with the Secretary of Defense and the heads of such other agencies to submit a report within 180 days of the date of enactment of the act to the Congressional Intelligence and Armed Services Committees on UAPs. Why Why can't they just say UFOs? Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. What's mm. the difference? Unidentified Flying Object, they got tired of using that, so they changed it to UAP? Why are they got to fuck with us? I don't know, man. UAP.
3: Words change all the yeah. time. They have to. I guess.
0: Well listen, man, uh let's get to you. You've been on a fucking tear lately, son. You really have. It's it's super impressive. The Marlon Moraes KO, the Frankie Edgar KO. Like you have looked fucking sensational.
3: I figured some shit out.
0: Yeah, what did yeah. you figure out? Yeah.
3: Um Well, it's a lot, I think, but uh it it, it might be a bit of a long winded answer, let's but go. uh yeah, I love there's a, a lot of s- There's a lot of steps that I think, you know, had to take place, but I think uh, the first thing is is I had to realize that you can't just walk into a cage and be flat as fuck and uh, and expect to compete with the best guys in the world. You know. So how
0: were you flat? Like you flat? Against- like you weren't warmed up enough. No,
3: no, no. Well, that's what you know. Um, I- I don't know. Maybe it was a warm-up a little bit. Maybe that had something to do with it. Um, but I think that there's just a level of intensity that you have to be in if if me and someone else are going to stand in a locked cage and we have to you know beat each other up really badly. You have to be at a certain level of intensity for that. And um, how were
0: you previously approaching it?
3: Uh, so previously, I, I didn't have okay so let let's let's go back to maybe bef- before the sterling fight because after the sterling fight is when I w- I learned a lot of, uh, uh, of stuff so uh, before I didn't need to do a lot in order to get at that level of intensity right like uh, I I don't really know why that is but um, it didn't take a lot in me in order for me to get to that performance level against sterling for for whatever reason uh, and, and I don't want to make up any excuses or anything uh I almost said Alistair because we were just talking about him (laughs) but uh Aljamain was better than me um on the night and uh and that's why I lost um but for whatever reason man in the back I just uh I was just really flat I uh
0: do you think you got too comfortable
3: I think I was too comfortable I think I underestimated him I think that uh it was during the COVID times and um, I, I wasn't using as many training partners sparring sessions weren't nearly you know what they used to be in a in a team gathering it was like I had two or three training partners and that's who I went in and sparred with at a separate time and um, maybe that had something to do with it too
0: is that purposeful or is that that's all that was available because people weren't training as much because of COVID how did you yeah
3: so so that was like March or April so that was like when everything was really hot with COVID so um, yeah, it was, it was just because, you know, all the gyms were shut down. Uh, everyone was being really safe because everyone was kind of like, yeah, you know, how however they were feeling about COVID. And, um, so I think maybe that had something to do with it too. Um, but regardless, you know, uh, he, he earned that win and, um, when I went into that fight, it, it it wasn't a matter of, because you hear guys say all the time, or at least I try to listen to as many interviews as I can and, and just kind of watch the demeanors of people when they walk into the cage. And um, you hear guys say, uh, you, you you just see that people are competing at different intensity levels all the time. Some people go in and they're like this, you know, and, and they're ready to go. And then other people walk in like they just woke up from a nap. Yeah. And so I'm trying to, I, I, I try to learn by just watching and, uh, and on that night, I, I kind of I felt really relaxed, and I felt really uh, comfortable and really present. Um, and I realized that that's not where I need to be in order for me to be able to compete at my highest level.
0: Did, did it have anything to do with the fact there was no crowd? Was that unusual for you to compete in front of no crowd? Did it feel <laughs> different?
3: I would say there was a lot of really unusual things happening. You know. <laughs> uh, um, maybe you know maybe i I, to be completely honest with you and candid um i think i just underestimated aljermaine a lot you know uh i didn't really take too much into consideration that he has i don't know how many ufc fights like the guy has been under the ufc lights a lot of time and, and and that makes a big difference and uh that was a huge mistake on my part and and i think that it led to the mentality that i went into that fight with and i remember When I was in the cage feeling all, you know, feeling really relaxed, uh, I remember when Sterling walked in the cage and his intensity was, you know, at the highest that, you know, you could probably imagine because you feel the energy of people when you're when you're in a space that you're ready to fight someone. uh, I think that you read body language better. I think that you read people's energy a little bit better. And uh, when I was reading his energy, I was like, wow, that is way more intense than where I am right now.
0: Yeah, he's about to fight in just a couple of days, Piotr Jan, for mm-hmm. the bantamweight title. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, uh, I've obviously thought about it a lot because yeah. I've been asked a lot of, uh, about it a lot. But um, I keep going back and forth, but I've been watching the Embedded's. Um, I've been watching, you know, both of their trainings and stuff, their their countdowns. Um, and I don't know why, but after watching those, I, I really have a lot of confidence that Sterling's going to win. Really? I, I do. Yeah. Um, Maybe because I'm biased as shit because Sterling beat beat me. (laughs) Not only that, but also because Jan is doing a lot of calling out of TJ, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's kind of lame, you know? Uh,
0: Do you think he's doing that just because TJ's a big name? Of course. Yeah, I mean, TJ's the biggest name in the division, you know, for now. Yeah, of course.
3: Um, It's kind of an interesting spot in the sport, too, right now. We're we're kind of playing, you know, and this is just the way that things are. I'm, I'm not trying to complain about it, but it seems like it's a lot of, you know, the fame game a little bit like if you fight someone really popular and you beat that person yeah um that ranks higher than beating someone who's ranked higher or someone who's you know um and that's the game that we're in and that's completely fine and i know that i'm not one of those famous people um
0: you're on your way son
3: (laughs) i'm on my way i need to keep whooping people's asses you know And, and i've been and i've been knowing that for a long time where i'm like man like eventually this shit will start getting going. You know, like I I know how good I am. Like I've gone again. I've been training for a really long time. I've been in the room with some really good guys. I'm like, okay, like this shit just has to get going. Like I'll just trust the process, whatever. And like, uh, you know, the last two have definitely really clicked. Um, But going back to the point of um, where I was in that fight, uh, I actually learned a lot from Sterling, you know, like I, I I learned that when someone walks into the cage and they have that level of intensity, it can be uh, intimidating, you know, if you're not at that at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of, you know, afterwards, I was asking one of my military buddies, because how much realer can it get than like, actually, you know, having to w- kill someone, you know, and I remember asking, asking my military buddy, and I was like, man, how do you guys deal with that level of intensity? And uh, he was like, man, when you're standing on the other side of that door and you're about to kick in that door, you need to understand that it's either you or it's them when you kick that door down. And now when I walk into the cage, it's right from, right when I walk in, right from the bell, it's like, it's either me or it's that person when, when I kick down that door.
0: Do you think there is a level of intensity that's sustainable in a three-round fight versus a level of intensity that's sustainable in a five-round fight, or do you think it's just a matter of preparation? Mm, I don't know. Um, Have you ever fought a five-rounder in, in outside of the UFC? No, no. Uh,
3: my first five-rounder was scheduled for
0: mm-hmm.
3: Um So no, I've never had a five-round fight. Um, Is that your first wheel kick KO? Yeah, yeah.
0: That caught a lot of people off guard. Yeah, that was maybe the first time I've
3: ever thrown that kick, (laughs) (laughs) you know, in a fight at least. Marlon's
0: listening to this going, (laughs) fuck.
3: Uh, That
0: was pretty wild.
3: Yeah. Uh, The quarantine helped me with that one, though. Yeah? That's all that I did in the quarantine is fucking hit the bob in my basement. Oh, really? Yeah, I just practiced over and over again. Bob's good for wheel kicks. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the
0: best things for wheel kicks.
3: Dude, Bob's good for a lot of shit. Yeah. Like, Knee and knees to the face, oh, like, grab yeah, his head. Yeah yeah, 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 everything. Bob's good for every. I was yeah. thinking he just needs like a leg kick shield type right. of thing on that base.:
0: I think they have one. Mm. Go to Century Martial arts. Uh, Bob is this uh, they, they gave me one for my my old gym. I had one in my uh, my gym at home in my old house in California. I don't have one out here, but I liked it. It's good for combinations because it's like, it's so realistic, Mm -hmm. you know, it Mm -hmm. really feels like, a, and the head moves good, you know, like you could really crack the head and you you get a good, yeah, yeah, and here it is, Bob, so is there a a padded base for it? What's that there? I feel like I saw something like that, no? There you go. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's Bob with like a bunch of shit on him so you could leg kick him. That's cool. That's pretty dope. So that's like a outfit that Bob wears.
3: Oh, see, you know what I was gonna <laughs> say too. you. You know what I was gonna say too, is they need to put some type of, you know, hand guard positioning things. Mm-hmm. I hope that those things can move, because that would be cool too, because that's one thing, you know, that's really important in fighting.
0: Is, is that just- Hackleman? Ha yeah. <laughs> ha, <laughs> my man. Look at that that's fucking cool so you actually can practice that that's very cool yeah that's. i like that even better than the regular bob yeah yeah. okay so that's not an outfit he wears that's the whole bob oh jamie order one of those right away we gotta get one of them all right i like it um so you were practicing wheel kicks and stuff Mm -hmm. like that on on bob Mm -hmm. did you have a traditional martial arts background at all i did taekwondo when i was
3: like really young uh is that where you learned that no. No? Um, so so uh, I had always wanted to be good at those, uh, you know, like spinning back kicks, spinning wheel kicks, uh, but I would just do some shit and just, you know, like I didn't know the technical way of doing that, you know, right. so when I would be in a fight and I would throw it, it was just like bullshit, you know, oh, okay. <laughs> and now I can actually feel like I can do it, but uh, you know what helped me a lot is... Um, well one my coach Christian Allen who has obviously been helping me a lot with it too and then two um I've been going down to Ryan Hall's gym a decent amount um at 5050 and do you know Ton Lee? No. Ton Lee he's the 155 champ in in ONE Fighting Championship. Okay. Yeah, he just beat that Martin Wing guy. Uh so, Tan Lee and Ryan are down there, and they do, like, a lot of, uh, you know, spinning back kicks, wheel kicks, and all of that, really? and they helped me a lot with that, too.
0: Is he... I want to see... Um, there's one guy in 1FC that has a nasty spinning back kick. Mm. I don't know if that's him.
3: I, I don't think he
0: throws a ton in his fights. There's one guy who just keeps flattening people with spinning back kicks to mm. the body. Mm. It's like getting hit by a car. Yeah. If someone's got a good one.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I have a frame where I'm not going to knock anyone out, like, you know, bad, Um with, like, my upper body and stuff. But, man, your legs are, like, big-ass parts of your body. Yeah. And like, you don't need to throw them very hard in order for it to, like, really, really score. Yeah, this
0: guy. Let me see that. Show that. Oh, yeah, yeah, name. yeah. Kevin Bellington.
3: Yeah, he's a 25er. He just fought a...
0: Uh... That dude's got a good one. Yeah. He, he throws it very quick, too. And he's always got his hips loaded up. Like, he's looking for it all the way. Boom, look at that. Come on, man. It's just, like, what kick is like that? Yeah You know There's so few kicks That have that kind of power
3: Yeah And and if you can't get your feet Out of the way of that And you just want to use your elbow You're definitely way big time Opening up your head For a wheel kick too So, so
0: do you have a guy that uh, You said Christian Allen is, Yeah is, is, He's your striking coach mm-hmm. Does he have a background In that In traditional martial arts Yeah is he good at those
3: yeah he's got a bunch of black belts uh i I don't really know what they're all in but uh yeah me and christian have been together since you know the first day that i walked into high altitude martial arts so do
0: you consider your style like your stand-up style is it muay thai based is it a hybrid is it like what do you what do you think of it is
3: um i don't know so uh I think it's probably a compilation of everything. Um, One, I think uh, Christian has a very creative mind um, and uh, it's not super, you know, like we don't hang on to any one type of traditional martial arts over the other or whatever. We just, you know, try to take as much good as we can from each one. But I know in my experience, I used to love watching old school K1 fights. Those were like my all time favorite fights to watch. So I think when it started it, it it was kind of a hybrid of me watching a lot of the WEC specifically like Dominic Cruz. I thought his style was dope, you know, mm-hmm. like all of the footwork and stuff. Um watching that, watching Christian and having Christian teach me, and then watching like a lot of really solid K one guys, like Andy Sauer was mm-hmm. one of my favorite oh, fighters. Yeah, man. yeah. I gotta go train with him uh, a oh, couple of really? times in Holland. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, it was sick. He's such a nice guy too. Yeah,
0: he seems like a really nice yeah, guy, yeah, but yeah. It, he did a lot of training with Aldo, right? Yeah, he went down to yeah, Brazil, yeah. it was Yeah, training with jose quite a bit um so so let's get back to this mindset thing what did you do to change how you ramp up how you get into the octagon like did you just decide to be at 10 the moment you step through the door is it a mental thing
3: it's uh it's practice you know like i I, it's something that's controllable that i think um or at least in my experience of, of my past it's something that's told to you that isn't controllable like you either have it or you don't and uh I don't believe that shit you know um and so uh it's practice so it's a lot of um so so I'll practice before sparring so every time I go into sparring now um before I leave the house for about 20 minutes I'll sit and visualize all of the techniques that I'm trying to trying to work um and I'll see it from a third person's point of view. So that I, you know, that, that's how they say that you're supposed to learn techniques the best is you visualize yourself doing them uh, and not a first person view. Um, really? So I, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Why is that? Um, I don't know, uh, to be honest. But you're supposed to use the first person view when, uh, when you're actually trying to generate the emotions that you know, you'll be feeling before a fight. Um, which makes sense, you know, like, but
0: third person view, if you want to learn something or visualize being successful at it, mm-hmm. that's strange. Cause mm-hmm. I would think you would want to see it the way you're going to do it. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Wait, did you, do you have a mental coach you work with? Yeah. Or? So
3: I've, I've used a sports psychologist, Joey Fritz for about, uh, probably five or six years now, I would say. And then, um, how
0: often do you meet with him?
3: Uh, once every, once every week in camp. Really? Yep. Uh, and a lot of it, uh, I think in the beginning, when you're working with the sports psych, it's just you know putting out a lot of fires, like hey, this is stressing me out. Hey, I'm really scared about this. Hey, blah blah blah. And mm-hmm. um, and I would say that that's kind of what it was for me in the beginning, which which was super helpful because then I could start really enjoying it. Uh, and then now in the last you know year or so, we've been really hammering down on some like, hey, what's going to make me a better performer instead of what's going to bring me into the fight with a lot less fear and anxiety and stuff like that so yeah mm. i've been doing that for a
0: while now how long are these sessions
3: mm, it depends on the week you know sometimes there's more things to bring up and then than others and uh i'm pretty self-sustainable so whatever he gives me you know like I, I i'm doing um so it doesn't require like too much practice or too much uh checking in um other than that so you know 30 45 minutes sometimes
0: so did you come to him and say hey when i had this aljamain sterling fight i went in i felt kind of flat he was kind of pumped up and i was like oh yeah
3: i felt it yeah um and uh yeah so so he's everyone's different right like uh i was watching um i think maybe it was on here or 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 interview with dustin poirier and he was saying that uh before he went and fought McGregor, he felt that way where he was feeling really flat and this and that. And I remember him saying that his striking coach who had a bunch of kickboxing fights was telling him, like, hey, man, like, that's normal, like, this and that. And uh, as I was listening to that, I was like, that works for Dustin, and that's good, you know, but that doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I I can't go in that flat and still do, you know, a a good job.
0: That's a really important point, right? It's like every fighter has to figure out what process works best for them and it's going to be different for a wrestler versus a striker a tall guy versus a short guy a guy who's fast versus a guy who's got a lot of cardio it's really gonna depend entirely on your style and who you are as a human
3: yeah yeah it changes a lot and uh i think that that's why experience is like uh a huge thing that People overlook a lot oh, yeah. I, I overlooked it definitely before I fought Sterling um, Sterling's gone through a lot of those Processes you can tell you know mm-hmm. um, And now that I've gone Through that process I feel like I'm a completely Different
0: fighter Sterling looks so big In that fight I don't know how much weight he cuts Yeah but my god for a 135 That dude is huge
3: I think that that's another Reason too that uh, he's gonna do well Against
0: Jan well his wrestling Is super solid and his jiu-jitsu Is I mean he's a He's comes from Henzo Gracie lineage, you know? He's a Matt Serra black belt. Mm-hmm. His fucking ju- I was very impressed, unfortunately for you, mm-hmm. in that fight with his jiu-jitsu. Like, yeah. I mean, my God.
3: Yeah, he's good. Uh, he's, like, real deal good, too, you know? Not like a, uh, oh, I'm a good MMA grappler. It's like, no, like, that dude's, like, a really good grappler.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, you can tell. Well, yeah. he's, you know, he's very respected in jujitsu. you know, in terms of, like, uh, the guys who train with him, guys who know how good he is guys you know high level black belts
3: yeah yeah um and i don't yeah i i don't think jan's uh at the level of grappling that sterling's at but also i don't know how big jan is either he, he doesn't look like a huge 35er
0: he's real strong yeah like, he looks real strong, real strong. yeah he looks real and, strong and he's a predator like that guy mm-hmm. is always moving forward and he puts a lot of pressure on you Al Germain has this crazy style, you know, uh, if, you, you know, if the fight turns into a striking contest where he's, he's utilizing a lot of movement, a lot of movement. And it's something he and I talked about in the podcast, like he needs a lot of cardio to fight that way. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about Piotr is that he is really good at picking his moments and pacing himself and then slowly but surely accelerating the pressure. You saw that in the Aldo fight. Mm-hmm. I think he stopped Jose in the fourth round. Is yeah, it the it was fourth four. round?
3: Yep, it was
1: four. Yeah,
0: but that, that was what was happening. You could see Aldo was starting to wilt. You know, Aldo is a sprinter. And it's hard for him for whatever reason To maintain endurance over the course of a long fight mm-hmm. And that's been the case throughout his entire career I mean you go to the Mark Hominick fight uh, Or a Ricardo Lamas fight I think it was Where at the end of the fifth round Lamas was on top Beating him up mm-hmm. And he won the decision Because he was beating Lamas up for most of the fight Pretty sure it was Lamas I want to say it's Hominick Maybe it was the case in both of those fights But the point is he's had issues with his cardio in his career before because he's like super jacked and Mm -hmm. you know everything he does is like super fast like a lot of exploding
3: yeah yeah there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of x factors in that too because uh Jan's style is super efficient as far as energy goes like he's super comfortable Mm -hmm. just keeping a guard up and getting hit yeah like he's and and that's not easy to be comfortable there especially when you're wearing little gloves right um which he's you know very very comfortable being there which I think helps him uh with Sterling you know he's been really outspoken about I'm gonna wrestle this guy for 25 minutes yeah which also is really interesting to me too because I have seen that in Sterling's fights too where he's gotten tired in three round fights yeah um and just to think that like uh, he's going to wrestle a guy for 25 minutes wrestling's the hardest part yeah. you know so I, I, I don't know man
0: the other thing about uh, people forget Jose Aldo's uh, high level black belt Jose Aldo beat Cobriña in a straight up jiu-jitsu tournament you know and Aldo couldn't do shit with with Piotr when it came to the ground I mean, Piotr was on top Aldo never really got a good position for any length of time in a, in a grappling situation with him the guy's fucking strong. Mm-hmm. You saw that in the Uriah Faber fight. He, you know, he just bullied him around. He's f- very physically strong, and again, just really smart at when he applies pressure. And over a five-round fight, he's you know he's been into the deep waters of the fourth, you know, championship rounds. I'm, I'm curious, very curious, cur- curious, but curious to see if he could stop that shot because if al gets him and gets him while he's fresh and while they're both fairly dry mm-hmm. you know he could be in real trouble because mm-hmm. al jermaine knows how to close the show yep yep he does great fight great yeah fight. it is a great fight great fight
3: Yeah, it's yeah it's gonna be super entertaining that whole card is gonna be super entertaining
0: it's so crazy to me how stacked the 135 pound division is and how shallow the 125 pound division is. yeah 10 pounds like the yeah. only weight class in the ufc where, like, the 10-pound difference is all... I mean, you got Figueredo and, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Moreno. You got some good fighters at 125. You got some good fighters. But you don't have, like, a who's who, a murderer's row of contenders like yeah. you do at 35. At 35, you've got so many killers. And Henry Cejudo's always threatening to come back again. Mm-hmm. You know, he's... That's probably the big name, right, in yeah. the 135-pound division. If you want to make some money.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah, if he's being serious, who knows what that guy's doing. I will say though, I'll give him some credit. I think he's getting better at getting or at being cringy. (laughs) I think he's getting better at it, man. When he first came out with that shit, I was like, man, this guy needs to stop. (laughs) I was like, this guy's not gonna have anything that he can do after this.
0: (laughs) Well, he he's if you talk to him in person, he's so he's so personable and likable and friendly and smart. That you you got to know he's having fun. Oh, absolutely. And that it's an act. Yeah. But listen, man, the guy can fucking fight. He can
3: fight fucking too. I I watched the
0: Dominic Cruz fight again yesterday in the gym, and I was like, man, that was a fucking hell of a performance. Hell of a performance.
3: Do you feel like, uh, because, I mean, you get to watch these shows live, are you you reading the guy's... uh demeanors when they're walking out and when they're walking into the cage and and are you really trying to read them
0: and be like are they ready are they not ready not really no not at a championship level championship level basically everybody's ready Mm -hmm. you do see some extra nerves with people like uh i felt like there's a heightened amount of nerves for gilbert burns Mm -hmm. i felt like you know because it's just this big moment and you know obviously performed really good out of the gate but seemed to slow down early in the first round, and then was pretty tired in the second round, his mouth was open, and I think it might have been an adrenaline dump. It might have had something to do with it. And I yeah. think that, that is, that's a big factor. Like, here he is, all of a sudden, this is the dream. You know, it's actually happening. You've been thinking about it for years and years and years, and all those days of training. Every time you're tired and you're, you're doing rounds in the bag or you're hitting the mitts, you're like, one day I'm going to be the fucking champion, mm-hmm. and all this is going to be worth it. And then that day's here. And that's a big moment for people. Yep. But Usman has been there. You know, he's yep. been in that moment many times, and he looked cool as a cucumber. He just looked composed, and even when he got hurt, that was the big thing. When Usman got hurt and rocked, total composure. Yeah. Even while hurt, no, no sense of panic, nothing at all. He's like, okay, yeah. okay,
3: okay. Usman's a hell of a competitor, man. He's a, you know, <laughs> when mind. I watch, dude, when I watch guys compete, he's up there. Cerruto's up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where I'm just like, yep, yeah, these guys, you know, they know how to turn it on.
0: They don't have any quit or loser in them. There's yeah. none. There, there's, there's zero.
3: There's no, uh, there's no that feeling of being in a fight and like, um, oh, he, he's getting a little ahead. He's getting a little ahead. It's always like, I got this shit. I yeah. got this shit. Yeah. No
0: self-doubt. Yeah. A great example that also is uh, if you look at like the Tyron Woodley fight, this is his first fight for the title. Right, I mean, this is the big one. He's fighting Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley super dominant, and he looked like the champ. He looked like the champ, like he was defending the title. Just put a fucking show on. Yeah, dominated. You know,
3: I mean, he had a rough goal at the top too, though. Right, like Usman was. I mean, from from my knowledge, I don't know too too well, but to my knowledge, he you know he was like begging for that shot for a long time. He was no, fighting he like to fight yeah, he up. was fighting the top guys, top guys over and over and over again. And actually, you know, Usman's been training with us a little bit too um and while i'm not super close with him i'm super close to his uh one of his main training partners carrington banks and uh carrington was telling me uh that he watched usman go through the same thing that i feel like you know i was going through for a little bit too where it's like man like you just got to keep just keep winning you know yeah. just trust stay, the process keep, yeah keep How your mouth you shut now? uh 28
0: perfect yeah yeah it's a perfect time to be a top contender <laughs> yeah right you yeah that's like you're you're in your prime, but you've got a lot of room. Yeah. You know, you've got a lot of room to keep getting better and keep growing.
3: I think I have a lot of room to get better, you know, which is a really good feeling. Um, I really started feeling like that when I went out, like I said, to train with Ryan Hall. Uh like that guy really changed a lot of things in my brain about how to look at combat sports and how to really, know, oh man, how so, dude? If there's one, you know, uh, I'll butcher everything because he's just such an intelligent guy and super uh, smart guy, super smart guy. But, um, I think almost above him being smart is he's just so thoughtful, man, like with his game, like he's just so thoughtful and like the amount of, uh, you know, just thinking and, hey, can they do this? Can they do this? Can they do this? Okay, I have an answer for this, this, and this. Like, the guy has an answer for almost everything. And I think that the way that he views things and the advice that he gives to me is just, like, so fundamental and, like, uh, uh, just makes so much sense. So an example of that would be I have terrible posture usually. Like, it's getting a little bit better, but, like, before it was like this, like hunched over, I had neck issues, shoulders issues, back issues, and all of that.
0: Me too. Yeah. Same thing, yeah. Yeah, for you, yeah, you always, have good children, like, Yeah. I always used to sit yeah. like this, and I used to stand like this. And then I realized, I was like, fucking my back up. Yeah. Like, you start getting pains back here. Yeah. So I try to, as much. These chairs help a lot. Yeah, these are nice chairs. Yeah, these are dope. They're, they're really <laughs> comfortable.
3: How, uh, how'd how you fix it?
0: Just being aware of it. Oh, okay. Being really aware of it, do it all that the time. Ne- that
3: never worked for me. No? No, I had to, like, strengthen some shit, you know? I think uh, I was just too weak in a lot of areas, so I had to strengthen some stuff. But, uh, Ryan... Taught me, and it's super simple, but it makes a huge difference. It's like, hey man, like you can't be strong like this. Like no one goes up to a squat rack and does this, you know? Right. Like you squat like this, and he's like, when you're grappling, you need to know when you need to be like this and when you need to be foldy and bendy, and I'm longer, and, and when to tangle people up and when not to tangle people up, and you can't be strong like this. So he was like, you need to fix that shit like right away, and like mm, that's just one of the examples. Yeah, he's man, he's. I, you know, I, I, I try not to, you know, talk too highly of him because it's just like I feel like I, I don't want to seem like I have a dude crush on the guy. <laughs> but, but you do dude, a little. Bro, yeah, I wish I was him. I wish I was him.
0: <laughs> He's um, on the Lex Friedman podcast. He did an, um, an episode and he was really good. Yeah. Like surprisingly intelligent. Uh,
3: yeah, and you know, to be honest, I think he's he hides a lot of it too. You know, like I listened to that podcast, and I was like, "Yeah, he's just being a little bit humble." But I feel like this dude is just like, you know.
0: Well, you know, the really great jujitsu guys are all really smart. It's you, you can be physical, you know, you could explode and be fast and be strong and hold people down. But to really understand the game, it's it's like I said, like someone said, to Eddie Bravo. Um, they were talking about uh, jiu-jitsu being like chess. He's like, Pfft. he goes, chess pieces can only move one way. Mm. He, goes like, he goes, like, you have a rook, you go that way. If you've got a, a queen, you can do this. He's like a knight can do that. He's like, a f- your body can do so much mm. shit. Mm-hmm. It's so much more complicated than chess. Plus, you get tired and you get nervous. And, and plus, you can't breathe when someone's got you in a body yep. triangle. And there's all those other factors. And then plus, you have to prepare your game pieces Like, your game pieces have to be in shape. It's not like you just show up fat with a cigarette and a cup of coffee in the park and play chess. No, your body has to be prepared. You have to be well rested. You have to have endurance. I
3: I mean, and you have to be uh, ready. I think that one thing that separates jujitsu and all the combat sports versus, like, football and— or maybe not football, but basketball, tennis, you know, all of those other ones is no one walks into a basketball game and is like, I might get knocked out tonight. Right. No one walks in right. with that with that with that extra anxiety, yeah. you know. And I think you know, while jujitsu, you might not get knocked out. It's also like this guy might rip my knee off, yeah. or this guy might choke me out unconscious in front of you know a bunch of people. So that's another really really interesting part about combat sports. I think too is it's like it's that extra level. And I think that that's what what makes it so different is that it's that extra level of man. Like you have to worry about getting hurt. Yeah. In, in what world do you usually ever have to worry about getting hurt?
0: Really getting hurt. Really getting hurt. Yeah. I remember when Husamar Paul Harris would fight, you'd have to, everybody was so terrified of that guy. And because he wouldn't let go, because he would hold Mm -hmm. on to heel hooks. So not only was, I mean, the dude was like 5'7, 200 and whatever the fuck pounds he was before he cut down to 185 just so stacked and so strong when he would get a hold of people you could see it in their eyes they were like jesus <laughs> christ and then he would dive on your fucking leg and heel hook you yeah and then he had this habit of holding on to submissions
3: yeah
1: to
0: the point where you know they kicked him out of the ufc for it yeah i mean who the fuck gets kicked out of the ufc for being successful paul harris he was the only guy where yeah. he, he held on so many times. They're like, dude, get the fuck out of here.
3: Yeah, he was getting ready to fight, uh, or when, when Nate Marquardt, because High yes. Altitude used to be Nate Marquardt's gym. Uh, that's when I was training with all those guys, too. And, you know, when Nate was going to fight Paul Horace. Well, was Nate like, did Ooh. something
0: really smart, and Nate sw- got really sweaty. Yep. Before that fight, yep. so he came in super sweaty, and I remember Paul Harris went for a leg, and Nate pulled his leg out, and Paul Harris pointed at his yeah. leg, trying to say that it was greased up, and they actually checked his leg; it wasn't greased up; it was just sweaty. How do you how do you sweaty up your legs? <laughs> you put on um, a warm up oh, thing, like, yeah, you, like if yeah, you put yeah. on like uh, one of them plastic track mm. suits or one of them uh, sweat suits mm-hmm. you know those uh, sauna suits yeah like a rubber suit you could get super slippery yeah you know if you do that right before you go into the octagon you can get real fucking slippery yeah, i guess you're right yeah
3: eat a lot of butter too maybe
0: maybe <laughs> well that was uh, the unscrupulous fighters in the past one thing they used to do was the night before the fight they would bathe in mineral oil So they would lie in a bath, and they would fill the bathtub up with mineral oil and water, and so your whole body is covered in water, and you take a shower, but it's you're still sleek and slick. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're not like technically greased up, but as soon as you start getting sweaty, you are so hard to hold on to. What? Yeah. Is that legal still? I don't think it is. I don't know though. Mm, it you, doesn't sound illegal. You could take like Abilene and rub it all over you like a lot of guys oh, do yeah, before that they sounds train. Illegal. That's that's But that's you could do that illegal. and wash it off. And even when you wash mm. it off, you're still yeah. kind of slick. Yeah. I guarantee you people do it. I don't know if Vanderly Silva did, did it, but I know people accused him of doing it. Mm-hmm. Vanderly Silva, I think, put Vick's vapor rub all over his chest too. Mm. And so he would grab guys and pull them in. <laughs> And, like, you know, they get, like, fucking Vicks vapor rubbing their eyes and yeah, shit mixed with the sweat.
3: You ever rolled with anyone that has, like, rubbed them, their bodies down with... No, uh, like, liniment? Oil? Oh, like oil? tile liniment? No. Yeah. No. That sucks.
0: That stuff's not good to yeah. get in your eyes. You just... Because yeah.
3: you, you kind of smell it,
0: and then you're just like, why are my eyes burning? Yeah. And then you just... I don't remember who accused Wanderlei of doing that. I don't know if it was even accurate. I think it was one of his early UFC fights that he won with knees, and he would grab he grabbed the guy and pulled him into him. But it might be it might be an excuse. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But I, I would imagine somewhere along the line, people have used every single way to get away from a grappler. Yeah, you know, yeah, make yourself more slippery.
3: Yeah, people can get pretty creative in the yeah. ways that they. <laughs> can get advantages
0: yeah because even if you're not using like legitimate grease right you're not putting vaseline on what if you're just using like body moisturizer and you're putting a lot of it on then you dry it off yeah and then they touch you and it's like well i mean it doesn't have how do they know if you have grease on
3: nah it's got i've never been grease checked
0: That's interesting. Yeah,
3: I don't know. That's kind of crazy. That's actually a thing, you know, like, I'll make sure that I'm using chapstick and stuff for the couple of weeks leading into a fight and make sure that I'm, like, moisturizing my face and stuff leading up to a fight because, I mean, I get real dry skin just because I'm so pasty. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I go out into the sun for five minutes and everything's cracking, so.
0: That's another thing, too, right? The Vaseline that they put on your face to, like, to prevent cuts and things along those lines, that shit gets all over the place everywhere Mm -hmm. when you start sweating. I've you know? seen
3: guy, I've seen guys do the, you know, like. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah. Try to put it
3: on. Yeah. Anderson
0: Silva. That was a thing with Anderson Silva. It was a big controversy back in the day. Where one of Anderson Silva's fights, they vaseline up his face, and then he takes his face, rubs his fingers, and he starts doing yep. this. He put the vaseline on his body, and everybody's like, "What the fuck!" Mm-hmm. It was a big controversy. Now I'm, I'm just remembering this
3: can't hate on guys for trying to get little advantages like that i almost appreciate it you know actually on the way over here uh the driver was a really big boxing fan and he was just talking about like tyson biting people's ears and like evander holyfield like, yeah you know just how dirty old school boxing used to be and it's like i can appreciate that you know <laughs> i can but i can appreciate that mentality
0: that one was a crazy one because it seemed like tyson wanted to get out of the fight Mm. But it also seemed like he was angry because Evander did lead with his head and Tyson was getting cut, you know, because Evander would, you know, put his head down and plow forward and throw. And I think Tyson felt like he was trying to headbutt him.
3: Probably was. Yeah, maybe. 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 They're trying
0: to have a third fight together. You see that? Evander Evander called him out on his Instagram yesterday. Yesterday, yeah, he looks good, man. He looks good. He's hitting the mitts. Why not? Yeah, I'll probably watch it. The thing is, they got to make it a real fight. Like it seemed like the Roy Jones Jr. fight. Like I don't want to make any speculation because I looked forward to that fight. I was excited about it. Two legends, but it seemed like there might have been an agreement to not hit each other too hard in the head.
1: Mm.
0: You know, like it seems like a lot of Tyson's big bombs were at Roy's body.
3: Yeah. Or maybe it was just like an unwritten thing where they're maybe. like, you know, yeah. like, hey, man, yeah. Yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, let's just yeah. make some money here and not yeah. get any more brain damage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Especially Roy. I mean, he's a 168-pound champion, won at 175, and he did beat John Ruiz at heavyweight, but he wasn't a legitimate heavyweight. He was just so fast and so skilled that he could beat the heavyweight champion, but he's not. Heavyweight, like Mike Tyson is a heavyweight. Yeah. Mike Tyson is a fucking heavyweight. Yeah. One of the greatest heavyweight knockout artists the world has ever known. It's a different thing. He went in that fight looking dense, bro. He looked good. He looked (laughs) dense. He looked good. Yeah, he looked good. I don't know what kind of drug test they gave them. (laughs) They said they gave them tests. But uh, I I would say, listen, we don't need any tests. (laughs) It's got the shit You know? Like we were just talking about Overeem not being in the UFC anymore. I say send that dude to 1FC and let him <laughs> juice to the gills. Like, let's get back to the old ways. Let's see what's up. You know, I want to see the Overeem that fought Brock Lesnar. I want to mm. see that show up again mm. where everybody knows. Yeah. You know? I mean, come on. I hope he fights somewhere if he wants to. If you know, he wants to. If he wants to. If he wants to. He's what,
3: 38, 39? Yeah. I mean, that guy's
0: been in the game a long, long time. How many
3: times can you get out of bed and still want to do it?
0: He apparently still does, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, and you look at that, that guy's accolades. I mean, there's very few human beings in, in combat sports that have the accolades that guy has. First of all, uh, won the Abu Dhabi European trials. Mm-hmm. Crazy, right? So he wins European Abu Dhabis as a pro MMA fighter became the dream heavyweight champion became the strike force heavyweight champion won the k1 grand prix i mean what the fuck man that is crazy yeah if you look at all the things that guy's accomplished that is crazy combat sports
3: yeah and i mean we were talking about him a little bit before but uh he's uh i was so impressed with just how eager he was to learn even you know because he's been training with us for about the last year at elevation um I was just like, damn, man, this guy's still like he's so capable of learning too. You know, like you kind of see fighters get a little bit older and you're like, mm, it's wired, you know? Yeah. They're they're wired. They're not trying uh, to learn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he was he was just like so capable of learning. I thought that that was really cool.
0: Yeah, that's the real question. It's like what stops someone from getting better? Is it age and injuries or is it inspiration? Mm. Is it do they look at it like a young guy cuz like young fighters like who are just starting to to you know enter into their prime they're they're constantly trying to add new things to their game they're working with different people they're constantly trying to improve cuz they don't feel like they're there yet and then some guys that have been there before they fought for the title they've you know they've fought top contenders they've, and then you see this this kind of like pattern emerges where they basically do the same thing they fight the same way and they're kind of protecting themselves from certain injuries that they have that might be chronic and they, they don't grow and learn. And you always wonder, like, is that because of the injuries and the age or is that just because of the attitude as well?
3: I think it'd be hard, man. I, I think it'd be hard being that and accomplishing everything that you've wanted to accomplish and then still, yeah. you know, like still getting there, yeah. you know? Like I could only imagine, I don't know, because I haven't accomplished all the shit that I want to accomplish, but like uh, I imagine that it's really similar to like stringing some really good fights together. And then being like, I got this, you know, yeah. like I, and then like, ah, I don't, I, this is what I need to do. I don't need to do anymore. And then that be it. You know, like I, I felt that demon creep up on me a couple of times too. Mm. Yeah.
0: The demon of complacency. Yeah. Yeah. The
3: demon of like, uh, you're doing good, man. Just, you know, <laughs> you don't got to do anything else. I hate uh, that guy.
0: That guy's an asshole.
3: Yeah. Fuck that guy. that
0: guy. That guy will keep you from greatness. Yeah,
3: he will. Yeah. Uh, I try to remind myself just all the time, like, um, there it's only going to get harder you know like it's only going to get harder and you got to be okay with that
0: well it's interesting if you look historically at the evolution of MMA the difference between MMA in 1993 and MMA today in 2021 is almost unrecognizable mm-hmm. i mean there's a lot of the same techniques are applied but the level is so fucking high now and like sometimes you see guys making their debut and i'll just be like this is crazy these guys are so good mm-hmm. and they're making their debut
3: there's a 14 year old out there who's going to whoop my ass one day dude who's going to whoop my ass
0: where was that video from that i posted that was uh, or that i that we pulled up the other day that was that little girl who was 6 years old whose page was that on was she like punching the tree no she would no i've seen that girl yeah, that girl yeah, was that savage girl, yeah, that too that scary that girl's a little older but this girl was tiny and she was um uh, who's in whos uh Instagram was it do you remember it was someone that we know anyway um she was hitting the pads and uh they had like a balance ball and that she was using that for leg kicks because she was so small mm. the guy was like leaning on that holding the pads for mm. her and then she would leg kick the ball fucking perfect technique yeah at six I mean perfect everything was just crisp and fast <laughs> And you're like, my God. Remember who it was? Fuck. It was someone we know. Had it on their page. I don't know how you can get kids that coordinated that young. Some of them just have it, dude. You think? Yeah. Some kids are coordinated. I have one daughter that's really coordinated and, like, super, super athletic. And one daughter who doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> like, she's, she likes to play sports and she plays lacrosse and basketball. She likes sports and she, she does it. But... She's not obsessed the yeah. way my other daughter is. My other daughter's like obsessed with like technique and she does gymnastics and she can do all kinds of crazy shit and backflips and round offs and handsprings and just it, a different type of spirit, huh? It's just weird. Yeah, it's weird, huh? One I always, of them really loves art, you know, and the other one is just, yeah. And it, it's, it's like some kids are just, and I think some of it is genetic for sure. I mean, you know, if you get like super athletes. And they have kids, you know, you take two super athletes and they breed and they make a super athlete baby. That's logical. But sometimes you have kids that are like, their parents are normal and they they come out and they're just freaks. My parents were super
3: normal. Not that I'm a freak athlete or anything, but I mean, my parents were, you know, super like, dude, I watched my, we took my mom to Top Golf one time. (laughs) I was like, what are you kidding me?
1: (laughs) She couldn't (laughs) figure it out. Bro, I was like, that's
3: not even, I was like, in your head, I know you've seen someone swing a golf club. Like, that's yeah. not what, that's what you think you're doing
1: with this? You
0: know? <laughs> she's like chopping it. She's like trying to chop the ball in half, dude. I was like, what are you doing? It's funny, people that have never done anything like athletics. <laughs> it's its funny watching them as adults try to do stuff. <laughs> it was, i you know, I remember there's been a few guys that were coming to jiu-jitsu that had really never done anything. They just decided, oh, I'm going to just fucking try this. And you'd see them like trying to move their body and mm. they you know, have a big belly and little small arms and the... And you're like, man, you got a long road to go, but kudos to you for just because if you're an athlete, say if you're a guy who wrestled, or maybe you did some, you know, you did a lot of CrossFit or something, and then you enter into a jujitsu class. Well, hey, you got a lot of tools to work with. You got a body that you're accustomed to moving around, you understand what it's like to push yourself. But if you're a person who's never done anything, and then all of a sudden, here you are with a gi on, and someone's grabbing you, and you're like, uh, 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 and you don't know what to do. Like, that's, that's a brave person to take that step. It's a dangerous person. <laughs> <laughs> dangerous person to train with. Yeah,
3: <laughs> that's a dangerous
0: person. They don't know you. where
3: their hand is in yeah. space, bro. They're trying <laughs> to grab you here, and they're like putting their fingers in your mouth. That can happen too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that can happen too. But yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. I think that, I think jujitsu is so good for like, uh, cause I'll teach the kids program at high altitude martial arts to kickboxing. But like, man, like I see a lot of adults, bro. They're just not familiar with the way that their body can move. You know? Like I, I I sometimes imagine I'm like, man, like, have you done anything like full throttle? (laughs) Like how many people you think haven't done shit full throttle? A lot. A lot. If you yeah. walk
0: into an office building and just wander through the yeah. hallway like most people that are guy. not doing a, a goddamn thing <laughs> with themselves. Or if they did, it was like when they were kids. Yeah. It's kinda sad. You yeah, know, you sad. have one body. You should know how to use it. Yeah. You should move it around a little bit at least. I agree with it's you. It's like having a car that you never drive, you just leave it in the garage. A lot of people do that too. A lot of people do that too. Yeah. 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 It's um it's it's interesting to see the the progression though of the sport. Like there's no real real sport from 1993 that's unrecognizable like MMA is. I don't think no. I can't I can't think of one. Basketball wasn't too much different. Oh, no. That's the Jordan days. Yeah. You take Jordan out of you know the 1990s and put him in 2021, he can fucking compete with anybody. Yeah. You know the, the elites of then were are but the sport of MMA it's just totally it's so different yeah in every way it's
3: evolving really quick and i think probably a lot of it man is because you know like you become a coach in mma because you were probably a fighter yeah and uh when when something i think is so early on you don't even know how to like teach those people you know what i mean like if if i'm a if I'm in 1993 and someone's like, hey, we're doing no rules fighting and I'm a wrestler, I'm going to teach them all the shit that I know about wrestling. I'm not going to like weave out all of the things that are actually efficient for like an actual like fist fight. Right. I'm just going to teach them everything that I know about wrestling. And it's like, now you don't have coaches that do that. Now you have coaches that are like, this is what's good for fighting. This is what's good for fighting. And there's no. There's no like that filter is happening still, you know, and I think that that's why guys are getting so good so fast.
0: Yeah, and I would imagine like even kids learning wrestling they They know submissions like young kids that are mm. learning wrestling. Like if someone's going to show them. Hey, man, you know, if you do this right here and then grab it like that, like, oh, like you could fuck somebody up like they're going to because they're already doing grappling. Yeah. Like they, they must learn submissions.
3: So, uh, yeah, I mean, I follow a couple of uh, Instagram, like, wrestling pages and stuff. And to me, it's super interesting. Not I mean, because wrestling definitely has influenced the jiu-jitsu world. But it's interesting to me watch it go the other direction, where you're, see- where you're seeing people like, uh, I forget what I was watching, but it, it, uh, a guy jumps for a flying triangle, but, like, controls the guy's arm in a way where he can roll the guy you know and it's like in a wrestling match in a wrestling match and, he
0: jumped for a flying triangle in a wrestling match yeah
3: and he, the arm is stuck in and he controls his arm so when he jumps he controls the arm and just rolls it through boom Whoa. and pins the guy and it's like are you allowed to do that i think so you can flying triangle
0: a guy in a wrestling match i mean match? you
3: can't choke him you can't i don't think you can lock you your can legs you can hold it uh, yeah. i mean you can roll him and pin him with it right, right? right. and then and then a lot of like uh, a lot of the leg scrambling that i'm seeing like from wrestlers Maybe they got it from jiu-jitsu or maybe jiu-jitsu got it from them, but I'm seeing like a lot of similarities in the way that people tangled themselves and scrambles on, on the legs and stuff, and that's super interesting just to watch the two grappling worlds kind of like mesh into one.
0: Yeah. Well, the guillotine, not the guillotine like this one, but the guillotine in wrestling, or they would call it guillotine, became the twister <laughs> Is that the, They
3: call it the guillotine in wrestling versus the guillotine?
2: Well, it's like, it's <laughs> They're like, like no, a it's guys, a guillotine. I
0: remember guys calling it the guillotine, uh, but it was a, it's a position where you would hold a guy for a pin, and then Eddie Bravo turned it into the twister. Mm. That's The twister comes from this sort of similar leg entanglement that a lot of guys were using in wrestling.
3: Yeah, the banana split type of position. Kind of, sort
0: of. Do you know the twister? Do you know how to do it? Mm -hmm. Well, when you're in the back, like say if you're holding someone's back, you lock down on the left leg, you wrap their right arm around your neck, so you baseball bat their right arm, you wrap it around your head, grab the top of their head, and pull. and it's a terrible spine lock. Mm -hmm. But it came from pinning someone that way. So if you can lock, you know, if you can get to the side of them and lock a hold of one leg and lean on them, you can get to a point where the guys, both shoulders are touching the mat. Yeah, and it's a good control position. That's but, where Eddie got that from. Yeah, he got it from oh, wrestling. That's awesome. Because yeah, that's Eddie awesome. was a wrestler, but he wasn't strong when he was a kid. So he's a leg rider. Like a lot of like guys who are not physically strong as wrestlers become leg riders. And so he, when he got into jiu-jitsu, did a lot of leg transition stuff. Like, one of his big things, when when I first met him, he was either a blue belt or a purple belt. I think he was a purple belt. And he was doing a lot of, like, toe holds. He was catching a lot of people in toe holds. So he would kind of... Use his legs his upper body wasn't strong and that motherfucker when he met me never lifted weights like I'm like dude. I'm gonna lift come with me. He's like fuck that <laughs> He's like I want to go get a burrito and he was just like get high. He'd never lifted weights at all like, really t- yeah until like d- Deep into our friendship like uh, a year or two and then he started lifting he had weights. to
3: trust you first
0: Well, it's he just had to realize like, you know if you want to compete against guys who are physically stronger than you it helps it yeah. just helps a lot to be strong.
3: It helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was looking at uh, a couple of pictures of me just from a couple of years ago, and um, because before that, I was always like, "Man, lifting just makes me tired for training. Mm. I'm not going to lift hard," you know. But I don't have that built. Like I, like I said, like with the posture and adding in strength, so that like I can be posturally strong and my hips are strong, so that I'm not hunched over mm. and I'm not all twisted up because everything's kind of strong. Uh, I used to be very averse to to wanting to lift. But, dude, I, I swear my cardio has probably got two or three times as better just because I started lifting so much because now it's not as much effort to get someone off of me.
0: Oh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah.
3: I mean, I, I might be the only example of that just because I'm the only guy kind of built like me in the division. <laughs> Everyone else might need to you know, go on a couple trail runs or something You're instead. You're
0: so tall for 135. That's such an advantage. It's that such length, an advantage, yeah. That length and reach. Is, is when you're trying to get a hold of someone and they can hit you literally 6 inches before you can get to them that's a big advantage
3: i get to do what i want until they do something about it right yeah. like <laughs> i get to, to do what it. i want until they do something about it so
0: what exercises did you do to improve your posture
3: um a lot of like you know carrying stuff farmers yeah farmer carries with like shoulders back a lot honestly a lot of focusing on it when you're lifting too um but a lot of like strengthening the hips makes all of this strong too you know the weaker Mm. your hips are the more twisted you are the more you're like this you know so um a ton of hip stuff man like hip, hip strength you know everyone wants to you know have really nice set of abs and all of this but uh Hip strength, I think, is the thing that will, like, keep me good all the way up until, you know, I'm done training on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: hip flexors. That's, yeah. that's a muscle that so few people work out. And there's this guy that I follow on Instagram that's become very popular. Jamie actually turned me on to him. That knees over toes guy.
2: I saw him with Mark. Mark Bell. Yeah, Yeah. he was
0: training with Mark Bell. But I I started implementing a lot of what he does in my uh, training routine, and I actually got one of those monkey feet things, if you don't know what that is. Mm -mm. It's a thing that you strap onto your shoe, and you can attach a dumbbell to it. Hmm. So you lift. So, like, you know, for, like, hip flexors, to get them strong, it's kind of hard to do. But if you want to be a strong runner or if you want to throw hard knees – Like, Mm. that's really where the muscle comes from. If you think about, like, throwing a hard knee, a lot of that is, and also with kicks. If you think about roundhouse kicks, like, I, you know, been kicking since I was a little kid, so I've got pretty decent hip flexor muscles, but I don't do an exercise to work them other than this stuff. Like, and I started, maybe lunges, I guess, work them a little bit, but... Using this monkey foot thing, you you can actually like lift weights with your hip flexors mm. as you're lifting your knee up, and that's all that muscle. Yeah. See if you can find uh, like a video of him doing it. But this guy has some really interesting perspective on a, a really interesting perspective on strengthening all the muscles around your knee, and he calls it knee over toes guy because traditionally, if you thought if you talk to someone, they'd say, hey, don't ever have your knee over your toes because it puts a lot of pressure on your knee. It's bad for your knee. And his idea is, no, build up to where you can have your knee over your toes easily. And if you look at his Instagram, he does a lot of, like, crazy shit. Mm. Like, where he jumps and lands with knees over toes and goes all the way down to the ground and then can spring back up. Like, this shit. And this is a guy that's had, like, multiple leg surgeries. And so, look how he lands. Mm. And he does a lot. His, his His Instagram, it's knees over toes guy is his Instagram. But... He's definitely got that um, monkey foot thing in there somewhere, Jamie. See? If you yeah, I found he's doing the
2: tib thing, which
0: Look, is But go oh, cuz scroll, scroll up, I'm sorry. That's good too. But scroll up to that one where he's leaning back right there. Yeah. Right yeah. Watch this. This is a crazy strength in his legs. Look, he goes all the way back, which is hard to do already, and then pops all the way yeah, forward. Yep. That's fucking hard to do, man. Yeah. And, and that is all those muscles that we're talking about here. <laughs>
3: That's like hamstrings though. A lot of that is hamstrings too, I think, yep. because yeah, because we'll yep. do yeah, we'll do a similar thing. I obviously can't do it as good as that guy, but uh, yeah, hamstrings, glutes, mm-hmm.
0: bro. The glutes are super important, like. Uh, and you see that pose that he's got in the middle there, Jamie, with the yeah, that one with the arrow. So that's showing like the opt- What happened there? That's showing the optimal position to strengthen, like to have that sort of uh, what what do they call it? a split squat where you have that crazy angle where your knee is hanging way over your toes and obviously you build up to it slowly. Like he's got Miriam Nakamoto. Do you know who she is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, multiple time world kickboxing champion, world Muay Thai champion, my friend Miriam. Shout out to Miriam. (laughs) Um, She's a beast and she has a pretty significant knee injury that she's trying to recover from and she got a bunch of stem cells and shit shot in there. But she's now doing a lot of this guy's program to strengthen all the muscles around it. But see how he's into doing uh, a lot of stuff that puts you in in that position. And, I mean, the dude can fucking do some crazy shit athletically, but he he also uses all these examples of different athletes that have incredible explosive power with their legs, and they use these these kind of exercises, and they're strong in these positions. So he shows this split squat, which is really hard to do, man. It's really hard to get down like that with that knee hanging way out over your toes and get all the way down so your back knee touches the ground and then pull yourself back up. But it's he calls it dense strength, and it's just you're strengthening all your tendons and all the muscles that stabilize the knee and put the knee in a, in a good position. And for kicking things, man, and and in for grappling, I, I think I think a lot of guys could benefit from it. And look how flexible the fucking dude is. Look at that picture right there, and. Like, he does a lot of stuff on slant boards. If you go to that one, that v- the video that we were just on, Jamie, of him doing a full split. Yeah, that one. Like, so, he does a lot of stuff on slant uh. boards where, so, he'll have, like, a, like it's like a, a slant board, which is good for stretching your calves out, and I started doing this because of him, too, and drop all the way down with a barbell and go all the way down to the floor, and it's just tremendous hamstring stretch, but also strengthening, and you see the kind of flexibility that this guy has because of it. I mean, he can go all if you can go scoot that thing all the way up. The dude can go all the way down to a full split. And look at that. He's doing a Zurcher uh squat grip like where you put it in the crux mm-hmm. of your elbow with weights. I don't know why he's showing someone oh, getting slammed into a triangle. Up. I guess picking him up. I don't know. I'd have to listen to him. But a lot of great exercises, and if yeah. you could so find that monkey foot thing, he's got that in there I, somewhere.
2: I thought I've definitely seen it on his page, but the video might not be up, or it's been somewhere else. He's just the only thing I could find was that tibia thing, which is a very close thing too. But yeah, it's a different. That's cool, a different really thing, different.
0: but that's pretty dope too. Yeah. That's uh, a bar where you put your feet into it, and you put plates on the end of it, and it works those muscles on the tibia. And you know, you just flex the foot up and down. So it's like there's all these different ways you can strengthen. These muscle groups that you don't fit. Like, there's no direct way to strengthen them, like, individually that you think of. When you th- think of doing squats, you know, you're you're strengthening them, sort of. But, you know, they're just kind of coming along for the ride and yeah. getting stronger. Whereas yeah. this is isolated That's it. That's the monkey feet thing. Dang, those are crazy It's looking. dope, dude. It's really dope. I love it. Because what I'll do is uh, I'll, like, hold on to, um, like, a chin-up bar like this. Mm. And then I'll just do these fucking leg lifts with my... uh, And you can do, leg curls with it. You can do leg lifts. But I feel like for a guy like you who already has a fucking nasty flying knee, that would Mm. make your knee even scarier. Yeah, yeah. You know, that knee you landed on, Frankie, was crazy. I was by myself watching TV, and I screamed out loud. (laughs) You know, it was one of those, oh, yeah. And that's a common thing in my house. People are like, are you okay? I'm like watching the fights. Yeah.
3: That was a nasty one. Dude, it was
0: so perfect. Yeah, it was. You timed it so perfect.
3: Yeah, I mean, he wasn't doing any of the hitting the brakes, you know. Everything he was doing was just forward, Mm. forward, forward. He threw, you know, he threw a kick forward. He threw a combination forward. And I was like, oh, this guy's not hitting the brakes at all, you know. Uh and i was like the, you know just throw something into that space that he was gonna step into and mm.
0: you know he couldn't have been more perfect yeah yeah it was like right before he threw a punch everything yeah so two wicked ko's in a row like mm-hmm. that over two top guys like you must be feeling right now that you're on like a whole new level
3: yeah i'm trying not to feel too good you know <laughs> 'Cause that demon, you know, that yeah. demon will tell you, hey, you're good you're good enough, man. You know, you're good enough, ride it out. Yeah. Um Yeah, I do feel good though, man. I, I feel like uh I think it's been noticeable the demeanor that I go into the cage with. It's it's noticeable in my brain too. Like when I'm walking into the cage, uh, I'm ready, you know, to hurt someone. Uh and I'm ready to uh I'm ready to, you know, snap <laughs> and get yeah. the get that ten weeks of thinking about it out of me. Uh but yeah, man, I, I I'm super happy with it, man. I feel like you know, uh, it's it's its own ability to figure out where you best perform, and like you 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 don't learn that unless you have you know a loss or 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 you get lucky and you get, you get a win a fight. But you know, I had to lose, and um, that's how you learn that stuff. And I I really feel, man, like when I'm in the back in that space, I feel 100. 100- percent completely untouchable you know and uh that's something that is very very different than when i was fighting before like i'm walking into the cage now feeling 100 percent untouchable
0: and you attribute this to the work with the mental coach as well as just you realizing that you were flat in the aljamain fight
3: yep yep and and just realizing where i do best you know just realizing where i do best like uh I would love cuz I'm a calm dude like I'm a relaxed guy like I don't get too high or too low about anything like it'd be nice if that if I could perform at that level you know but that's not the case for me so mm. I need to really and that's why I do it before sparring is I'll make sure no matter how tired I am regardless of what's going on you know if I'm injured if I'm you know overtrained whatever it is when it's sparring day I'm making sure that I get myself to that same place um, obviously not intense enough to where I'm going to hurt my training partners, but I'm making sure that I can replicate that headspace regardless of the situation.
0: Yeah. You said something after the fight when you were talking to, uh, you were talking to Laura Senko. Is that what you were talking to? Uh, no, it was, uh, Andrea, whoever it was. Yep. <laughs> that person. Um, you were, you said some people go in there and they're looking to compete. They like to compete. And that's what they're doing. Mm. You you go there. You're trying to hurt people. Mm-hmm.
3: That's that's you know what I'm doing now. You know, uh, it it was really uncomfortable for me because like we we're kind of you know I like Hinduism. I like Eastern philosophy. I like the idea of like you know Buddhism and you know being really peaceful and having a Zen mind and uh, and not wanting anything and 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 being really free from all the suffering of the world and, and trying to get there. Uh, and that was kind of my philosophy, you know, up until I was choked out by Sterling and opened up my eyes and I hear him running around and celebrating and I was like, fuck that, you know, <laughs> fuck that. Everyone that I go into a fight now with, I'm really trying to hurt, you know, like I want to be the guy that's running around the cage and they're opening up their eyes, you know, and, and I didn't, you know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a different type of space to be in and it takes a lot of practice practice especially for someone like me who isn't you know naturally like that uh but you know that's that's the game that we're in and that's what I'm trying to do now how important is a loss sometimes super important it's it's a reminder you know uh and like you said you know I was just too comfortable I was too laid back like I needed to remember how dangerous this sport is uh and that's one of the main things that I took from that loss is that like we're not playing soccer like, don't walk into that fight not ready to go.
0: It's also a lesson, right? It's like failure is so good for you because when you fail, it sucks and it feels terrible. But if you needed motivation, well, there it is. Like, that's the best form of motivation. Like, people would love to get motivation in a, a totally positive uh, a, a like a way where it's elective. Like, I've decided to be motivated. I'm going to be positive. And that's wonderful. But my goodness, the injection that you get from a loss or from just straight up failure where you're like, oh, my God, I'm a loser. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, the feeling, it's so bad. You're literally the same person you were before that moment. But now you fucking hate yourself, you hate everything, you're, you feel terrible, you can't sleep, you get up to take a piss and you can't stop thinking about it, you're like, fuck! <laughs> you just feel something. You but, nailed it. But that feeling is worth a fucking billion dollars. It's yeah. so valuable.
3: I wish, I wish... I could win fights and feel like I lost
0: every single time. Ooh. I wish I had that, like, that type of superpower. I wish I could do that. Do you think you could talk yourself into that feeling? Is it like the feeling that you got after the Aljamain fight, can you think you can like bring yourself back to that state?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I sit and think about it long enough, which I sometimes, you know, like – and not, not because of that fight, but just all of the shitty things, like you said, that happen after a loss, man. Like, all the shitty conversations you have to have with people. Oh, my like God. Like, the shitty looks you get What do you from think people. went wrong? Yeah. Hey, man, uh, you, you'll get it next time.
0: It's like, no, man, like, this is my existence, bro. You'll get it next time. Yeah. Yeah, non-competitors that want to talk to you about your losses. No, I hate it. Look on the bright side. Yeah. You got your health. Yeah. In that moment, there's no bright side. And that's something that uh, every athlete, I think, has to come to grips with. The mo- the, during losses, there's, there's no upside. No. It's just, this is your, look, sometimes you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail, and you don't get the good without the bad. The reason why the good is so fucking amazing is because you felt the bad. Yep. If you're just this guy just stormed your way to the top with no adversity whatsoever, you probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. No, and, and that,
3: uh, that emotional pain, I think, is worse than physical pain. And uh, I remember after the first time I lost, I had, like, my own existential crisis a little bit where I had to, you know, venture off and really question, like, who I was as a person, where I, where I was putting a lot of my identity just because that shit hurts so bad, man. And uh, I remember, like, if I keep doing this, it might happen again, you know. And mm. I, had to, I had to, like, sit with that a little bit. And I was like, and you might not even get what you want out of this. And then I was like, damn. And then I had to sit with that. And then I was like, and then I, but I'm really grateful for that because that was the real moment in my life where I was like, martial arts is, is my path. You know, like, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. Uh, I remember having the very lucid thought of like, when I was having those feelings of like, uh, this could happen again, you might not ever get into the UFC. You could be doing this and win some, lose some, and be a loser until you're 35, 40, you know? And in my head, I was like, okay, you know, I'll sleep in a box. I'll be a loser, you know? As long as I get to do this with my life, like, I'll be that loser. And and kind of since then, that's when I was like, oh, I actually love this, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I actually love this shit. Okay, that, that you, feels good.
0: What, what, what was the thought process that let you come to grips with it? Did you have like an aha moment? I spent a lot of. I spent probably like every
3: weekend or every other weekend in the mountains for about. You want my coffee? What's that? You want
0: my coffee? No, oh, I thought. No, oh, there's more. Oh, coffee. okay, okay. Oh, there about? it is. No, I'm so, thought... nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so nice. He's so nice. My more? coffee's almost. like, you can have my coffee. Oh, no, look here. You want more? We got plenty. We can make um, more. We have uh, black rifle. Gives us bags of this. stuff. It's pretty good. Oh yeah, black rifle yeah, coffee's yeah. the shit.
3: Um, I spent probably. Every other weekend or every weekend in the mountains, hiking fourteeners or or just camping for about, you know, probably six months and just like really uh, as, you know, corny as it might sound, you know, like facing my ego, looking mm. at like a lot of my identities and looking at like where I was placing my attachment in my life. And, uh, and you know, after kind of the six months of that and a lot of like experiences and stuff like that, uh, you know, I feel like I found my spirit and I feel like, uh, yeah. It was, uh, that, that's kind of how I handled that, that situation.
0: What is it about going into the woods, into the mountains? What is it about that that helps you?
3: I think one is that uh, it reminds you how little you are, mm-hmm. you know, where it's good to be reminded that you're little. It's also not good to get, think that what we're doing is not important because what we're doing is still important. Like the relationships that we're building, the love that we're giving and receiving is still super important, even though, you know, we're kind of a dumb species. That's not going to be around for probably too much longer. (laughs) Uh, I really love that feeling. Um, I I love the feeling of just like taking a breath and being like, you know, I'm, I'm here with no one else. There's, you know, it's just me and this, and it's just here. And, uh, that that's like one special feeling that I feel like I never really experienced before uh mm. I took all of that time and then I think too it's just you know you, you when you sit by yourself and you and you go to the mountains and you hike or I know that you like hunting I don't know if you go by yourself or, or what it is when you're by yourself man an hour can feel like a really long time yeah. and you kind of realize like there's a lot of shit happening in my head man like there's a lot of things happening there's a lot of voices happening in my head and uh and when you just kind of sit and you listen to them and you kind of like separate yourself from them sometimes and then question some of them sometimes, I think that you you learn a lot, of, a lot of shit about what's going on in there that I don't think we know is going on in there when we're glued to the TV or we're glued to our phones and stuff you like know. that.
0: Yeah, the, the giving yourself a, a moment in the, the woods, is there's, there's a lot that's going on there. One of the things that's going on is the, that the woods didn't even know you were alive. Before you walked into this mountain, before you walked up this hill, you'd never walked there before. These trees, and these animals have no idea you're a thing. They don't give a fuck about you. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to – they're surviving. The trees are trying to get moisture and light and the animals are trying to get food and they're trying to stay alive and not be eaten and as you're walking there and you look over, like, especially if you get to a mountain and you can look into a valley and see more mountains in the distance, you realize, like, you could die here and things would just keep going on and it's, you're totally insignificant. But in your insulated little world, you, you look at yourself as being the center of the universe, you know, because you're, you're the center of your own mind and your own ego. And there's nothing other than, like, I've always said that that's one of the reasons why people that live in mountain towns and people that live by the ocean are so chill, Because there's something about it that just lets you know, hey, motherfucker, look out there. Look at all that water. You ain't shit, bitch. Yeah. Just relax. Yeah. yeah. You're in their home. Yeah. You know, when you're walking around, you're in their home. Yeah. It's also stunningly beautiful. Like Colorado, um, when I I lived there briefly and when I would drive up into the mountains above Boulder... I remember thinking like, man, if this was a painting, it would be worth so much money because mm-hmm. it would be so... It's, it's a, the way art makes you feel is... Gr- like, I love art. I love seeing something cool. It's, it gives you a nice feeling. But it pales in comparison to nature's greatest art. When you over... Like, the when the sun is peeking through the clouds in the perfect way and you see the, the green of the trees and the white snow caps and just... Fuck, it's beautiful. Yeah, It's art, so
3: beautiful. Art that can capture that is like yeah so beautiful too yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah it's you know someone's trying to you know and they're, they're trying to take whatever that feeling is and you see something incredibly beautiful and then put it into something and and give people that 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 awe inspiring feeling when you're looking at it, but to me nothing does it like nature itself, yeah,
3: no, no way, man it's like uh Yeah, I mean, you can't really describe it. Actually, you know, like, we bitch a lot, being Coloradans. Like, we bitch a lot about how many people are, like, moving to Colorado. (laughs) We bitch a lot. Man, like, the 14ers are so packed now. Like, uh, at least the close ones, you know? Like, the ones that you don't actually... What's the... When you say the 14ers... So, they're 14,000 feet. There's, like, there's 58 of them or something in in Colorado, and it's, like, a big thing to, like, hike all of them, you know? I've done about, uh, I think, like, 28 or 29 of them. I haven't done, like, the scary-ass ones. Uh... I've like tried some of the scary ones and I'm just like, I don't know if that shit's for me, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'll wait till, I'll wait, I'll wait till I accomplish my goals until, you yeah. know, I do something risky. But um, yeah, so they're just 14 ers or whatever. A lot of people travel to do them. Most of the time when I'm, when I'm hiking and doing them, it's like people from out of state. And like, then I'm like, oh yeah, people like really, really care about doing these or whatever. But uh, anyways, we bitch about people coming there all the time, but I think it's great. I don't care if the trails are crowded as shit and this and that. Like, I think that the more people that get outside, man, the more the more peaceful, I think, we will be as a as a as a people, you know, like how often just how often do we have to sit and not think of anything or watch anything or any of that? You know, like never for me, I, I don't ever have to do that unless it's like intentional and it's like. It used to not be intentional. It used to be just the way things were.
0: Yeah, Colorado's experiencing a a mass migration there the same way Texas is. Yeah. It's like a lot of the places that suck, like California right now, people are just like, why am I here when I can be there? Yeah.
3: New York, too, man. Yeah. Uh, I have an uncle in New York, and he was like, dude, the city's a ghost town. Yeah, we just had
0: a guy here yesterday. Hamilton Morris was explaining how grim it is.
3: Yeah. And then you start to think about New York and you're like, why would anyone ever do that? No. Why would anyone ever stack themselves in a building that's just layered
0: up and just live
3: in one of the stacks of
0: them? Well, when everything was going great, it's exciting. You know, if yeah, you're that's a com- true. like I have friends that are comics that love living in New York because you live in an apartment, you hop in an Uber, you drive to this club, you go to that club, you're, you're hanging around, there's all this stuff to do, there's all these restaurants, let's go to this bar and that bar, and everything's hopping and bam, bam, fuck you. It's all this energy. Yeah. There's something happening constantly. I always like visiting. Yeah, I don't like living like yep. that. I like birds chirping and shit and <laughs> I, I'm not interested in all that honk honk fuck you. Yeah. I don't want to hear that every no. day.
3: Austin's a lot like Te- or uh, a lot like Denver actually. Yeah. Dude, super like ways. it. Like uh we were just walking up the street just yesterday and like where the capitol building is in comparison to like, you know, the the road with all of the uh the shops
0: and all of that stuff mm-hmm. i was like this is exactly like denver it's similar it's small it's smaller than yeah, denver it's for sure smaller. yeah but it's uh it's a good size i love it here yeah it's, it's a good size it's like it's not too big it's not too small although uh a lot of people are moving here
3: yeah it's kind of crazy do you uh are you kind of like out of the city like on some land yeah yeah see i'm trying to get some land in colorado
0: well, ultimately, I want to get a ranch out here. I think that's mm. the move, is to be really out of the city. Nice. Yeah. Would you and have some animals? Tim Kennedy has a fucking helicopter. He flies all over the place in a helicopter. Really? Yeah, that crazy asshole. he wanted, wanted to life. come visit me, he goes, uh, can I land a helicopter at your house? I go, no. No, you can't bring a fucking helicopter to my house. First of all, I don't think there's a spot for it. And second of all, the neighbors are probably already weirded out by me. I don't know fucking helicopters landing next door. Does he drive it himself?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is it big? How he takes people? it to
0: the range. There's a gun range uh, out here. And, and, and like he told me he does that. But they told me when I went there, they're like, if you hear a helicopter, that's Tim Kennedy. <laughs> I'm like, really? He comes here all the time with his fucking helicopter. So he'll take the helicopter, land it there, and then he'll take like an Uber to the Onnit gym or wherever he's training, the Roka gym. Yeah, he's a maniac.
3: Nice. Just loads the helicopter up well, with guns. and He just does whatever the <laughs>
0: fuck he wants with that thing. You don't have to go on a road. You know, you go up and then you go that way. You don't that need like way. a permit or yeah, nothing. there's Tim. Look at him. He's just fucking flying around. So, well, he's got... He knows how to do it. I mean, he's got a license, but because of the fact that he has this helicopter, he can just take it anywhere he wants to go. (laughs) I wouldn't be
3: surprised if that's like a thing in 10 years where everyone kind of, you know, or maybe not everyone, but a lot of
0: people have their own helicopter. Well, that was what it was invented for, you know, it was invented to be a flying car. Yeah. The idea of a helicopter, they thought when they first created it was it was going to be like a flying car and everyone would have a helicopter instead of a car.
3: Get Elon Musk on that, man.
0: Yeah, he'll yeah. probably make it. We, we, we're gonna have to go faster, electric, yeah, just spaceships. Yeah, just a bunch of blades, not one big one, like four <laughs> small ones. So we could park in a small area. Yeah, if we get like some really super genius dude who's really into helicopters, yeah, yeah that would be pretty badass. The day will come. Yeah. It's what just, is this? GM oh, showed this video oh, at CES sick. last month.
2: Oh, what is that? It's obviously not real yet, but bro, this is their concept for what it will be Bro.
0: Like. Yeah, and that way it's all contained. That's not real? No, no, no. Why isn't it real? I mean, it's a com- Come on, GM. It doesn't
2: actually D- work yet. Don't fuck with me. Dude,
0: imagine getting an accident in one of those. That's Or if they have so one, you get a parachute. that's not the video of it. <laughs> Just pull a cord and a parachute pops out. How hard <laughs> is that? bro that looks fucking amazing I need that now yeah that looks awesome we need to get Elon on this like come on tell me we can't have a Tesla one of those that actually could work right mm-hmm. I mean why not
2: fuck yeah. you the <laughs> sky
0: <laughs> you think we land on the roof here maybe why not why not talk to Tim they probably have restrictions like there's certain areas where you're not allowed to yeah. land. Yeah. But uh, Bill Burr flies helicopters Does he? Yeah, yeah, yeah And uh, he took me up in a, a flight We went all around downtown LA And you, you It's really weird Like you just kind of can go where you want <laughs> You know Once you're up in the air You're just like We're going to go here Then we're going to go there Because it's not high enough To where it interferes with plane flight yeah. You're just hovering over buildings But as we were flying over downtown LA You realize like a lot of these buildings These big ass buildings Have like uh X's on the roof where people land helicopters.
2: Nice. Yeah, yeah I, I hear that they're cheaper what is to this? do that. This is available now and has FAA approval, but you cannot buy one yet.
0: What are you gonna do? How do you get one then?
2: It's a car that turns into a plane.
0: It's available, but you can't buy one.
2: Oh, those are its wings? No, it's like been approved.
0: Oh, that looks whack.
2: Yeah, you
3: need a runway for that. We want something yeah. without a runway. Yeah, I'm not oh, into yeah, that. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. That looks wild. You a lot
0: of room for that. I'd rather <laughs> have the helicopter. I want that other thing, man, that four-helicopter uh, jammy that VTOL, GM is making. So that's making? like
2: vertical takeoff. <gasps> you need no space. That's why. That's what's up. Yeah,
0: this is nonsense. This is silly. Just pick a fucking thing. <laughs> Either get a car or a plane. The future of personal transportation. Listen, bro. Stop pouring all your money into this nonsense. No one's buying that fucking thing. <laughs> Buy Bitcoin. Get out of here. How do you say it? Is it doge? I don't know, man. Is it I don't know any of that stuff. How do you say it? I'm pretty doge. sure it's doge. Doge yeah. coin? It's a yeah. little French. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's worth a lot of money. The guy who created it apparently is blown away. Like, he, he created it as a lark.
2: 100% was a joke.
0: And now it's actually valuable it's worth like a dollar a coin now right no no no, No, not quite
2: maybe about five cents oh i thought elon got it up to a dollar a coin it it was about up to 10 cents a coin i think from down to like on it was under a penny oh and it got very but so now it's 10 cents a coin honestly i have no idea the world is very weird over (laughs) in that crypto space with forks and all sorts of things. forks Mm what's a fork Uh, like a fork in the road when it starts oh. going this way, the developers all are like, yep, oh, yep, yeah, we're, we're following the fork.
0: They're saying that Bitcoin is one day going to reach a million dollars a coin. Maybe. Speculation? Seriously? Yeah.
2: It's at 50K right now, which it has been. 50K f- to around. get one coin? Yeah. Yeah, to, to own a whole coin, but that's like, you can break it into pieces They're called Satoshis, and you only need a couple of those to you do gonna, some stuff with. Are
0: you going to start buying more Bitcoin? I
2: don't what are know you what doing? you're talking about.
0: Okay. Clearly. <laughs> clearly he's buying bitcoin scooping it up can be a not bitcoin a billionaire
2: financial advisor
0: we had this uh, gentleman on the podcast the other day his name is Tiller Russell and uh, he made this uh, movie called Silk Road it's about Ross Albrecht who's the guy who created that Silk Road website do you know what that is mm. silk road is a website that i, I guess it's apparently still up but, but Ross is in jail for literally two life sentences Uh, plus 40 years without the possibility of parole, because he created this online marketplace where you could buy any drug you wanted. Mm. You can buy LSD, mushrooms, and then it's all anonymous and encrypted, and they could send it to your house and and have it... uh, And the way they were paying for everything was Bitcoin. And the dude had made so much money. He'd made millions of dollars in Bitcoin at the time when he was arrested, but years and years ago. What was it, like 2014 or something? Mm -hmm. So if that... Today the amount of Bitcoin, it would be worth, what was it, $15 billion?
2: It's a lot. We were looked at what they seized recently. The U.S. Yeah. seized a billion dollars, which in the time, it's, since they seized it, it's now worth like over three and a half billion. So, so
0: he'd be worth a fuckload of money. Yeah, man. Just, he was dealing drugs on the internet. He wasn't doing it, though. He was providing a portal where yeah. people can deal the drugs. Yeah. Yeah, it's a questionable little situation. Yeah. But, you know, like if it's, If it's grown adults buying and selling, like, Colorado has legal mushrooms now, right?
3: They're uh, decriminalized. Yeah, they're
0: decriminalized, Yeah,
3: which is like, what, the step right before it happens? Yeah. You think that they'll be legal soon? Yes. A couple years? Yes.
0: Because I think there's, you know, the UFC is doing studies on fighters Mm. with psilocybin because psilocybin has a property called neurogenesis, and this is... Hamilton Morris, who was a podcast guest yesterday, he's the best guy to listen to talk about that because he's a genius, and he went into depth about what what it can do, and one of the properties of uh, psilocybin and psilocybin mushrooms in particular is it literally helps regrow brain tissue. It helps regrow neurons, and it's one of the only things that they've found that can do that, so hmm. they're starting to do studies with psilocybin at John Hopkins University and fighters, and wow. the UFC's involved in this. Wow. Yeah.
3: What, like a micro dose every day or something is gonna, I don't know how they're doing Yeah, they're probably I don't still know what, experimenting.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what the protocol is. And maybe they're taking fighters that have been retired and, you know, are like, hey, you know, I'm experiencing some difficulties. And then they're getting them on larger doses and, you know, therapeutic doses and helping heal them.
3: Yeah. If it heals them, then great. Dude, if they can yeah.
0: figure out a way. To make it so that all of the damage that someone takes from fighting is reversible, that would be phenomenal. Yeah.
3: Imagine how far that could go, too, with, yeah. you know, Alzheimer's and, yeah, I'm sure like a million different things. Yeah, a million yeah. different things. Yeah. Do
0: you have an idea in your head when you want to get out of the game? Uh,
3: I have an idea. I think it's probably when I, you know, I, I enter into that, like, all right, I did everything phase. I would like to get out then, but also, like, uh, I, I really... I don't know, man. Like, I I really would like to ask Aldo, and I'd like to ask uh, Cruz, you know, because both of those guys I see as guys that are just, like... They're obviously in it because they love it. You know, Reem, too. You know, Overeem, too, where it's just, like, you've been doing it for so long. You did kind of everything that there is to do in the sport. Like, why mm-hmm. are you still doing it? And, I, I mean, my guess is the answer is that they love it. A lot of them still well, love it.
0: I think it's also the how much money they get
3: it's also where else can you get like that type of paycheck in one one yeah. night of course yeah. i mean what
0: do you think alistair was getting do you know what he was getting to show
3: no probably over half over yeah. half a
0: million yeah somewhere probably in that range yeah, right that'd be my guess Which is crazy that's all yeah. awesome. is that what he's getting a little more a little more yeah. how much more, 50% more. oh okay 750 to show yeah you can't get wow. that anywhere else so every time you fight You get seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and he fights a lot. And if you win, you get one and a half million. Now think about it. Dustin made one point two to fight Conor, and he's like, "Hey, I want some more fucking money." Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like they're putting together the rematch. I mean, oh, are they? Have you had any of this Dustin's hot sauce? No, I want some though. Damn good, son. Well, here, bro, I got you covered, son. Have yourself a bottle of Dustin Poirier's hot sauce. Thank yeah, you. I love that dude.
3: Is it is it super spicy?
0: No, it's 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 you do you like spicy? I How like spicy I like, like super spicy. Oh, it's it's spicy enough. It's good. Okay. Uh, it's very good. Nice. But it's delicious. It's heatness.com, com, and uh, couldn't go money there. That money couldn't be spent on a nicer guy. Did you imagine that that fight was going to go like that? I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. When I looked at that fight, I was like I think uh, Dustin is on First of all, he's on a hell of a roll. You look at what he has accomplished. But he had a war with uh, Dan Hooker right before that, like a f- crazy five-round back and forth. It could have been anybody's fight at any moment, kind of a fight, for five fucking rounds. Yeah. You know? And before that, he had lost to Khabib, but put Khabib in real danger, had Khabib in a nasty guillotine Fought a long, hard fight with Khabib. It's like, hmm, that guy's been active. You know, he's, and you look at his, the who's who of the guys he's beaten, knocked out Justin Cagey. You know, you look at the guys he's, you know, uh, Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, he's got a good resume. Fucking incredible. Yeah. And over the last, you know, few years, for sure, he's grown into his frame, and he's a big 155 now, whereas when he fought Connor, he was killing himself to make 145. I remember, yeah, 190. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and uh, the guy's got awesome hands, you know, and I didn't think it was going to go that way, though. That low calf kick has changed the fucking game. Yeah. It's changed the game.
3: Got to get your ass out of the way of it. Yeah. I think it's going to improve everyone's footwork way more.
0: It's that too, but some guys have figured out a way to check it, and a good example of that is uh, Pedro Munoz. Mm. You know, Pedro Munoz is in, in his last fight against um, Rivera, Frankie Rivera.
3: Yeah, Jimmy Jimmy, Jimmy Rivera. Yeah. Sorry,
0: Jimmy Rivera. Jimmy Rivera and him. Like uh, Jimmy Rivera is a guy who's known to throw a lot of calf kicks. You know, like he he fucked up Uriah favor with the calf kick. That was a, a big weapon that he was using a lot in that fight. And uh, if you look at that fight, and I watched it pretty closely because I watched it twice, Pedro Munoz fucked up Jimmy's leg with the calf kick but checked a lot of the calf kicks that Jimmy was throwing. And if you see, like when he checked it, he didn't just lift his leg out. He turned it all the way out. So his foot was completely sideways out. So as Jimmy's throwing the calf kick, his foot is completely out and taking it right on the shin. So he's not taking it on the meat of the calf at all. Whereas Jimmy took a lot of those from Pedro on the calf itself.
3: Is he? Uh, is he putting him? I didn't get to watch the fight. I only watched the third round. I forget what I was doing for it was one a great and two. Fight. Yeah, that's great what I fight. heard. Um, yeah. You think that it put him too far out of position though, checking like that?
0: It didn't. It no. didn't with him. No, no. I mean, he knew it was coming, and I, I'm I'm sure he prepared for it. Yeah. See, the thing is, an American top team. First of all, you've got this giant stable of top tier talent, but also you've got guys who are fighting in championship fights. You've got a lot of like really good coaches and they're, they're right at the cutting edge of the techniques that are used the most in the UFC. And everybody's trying to figure out a solution that I got a, a text message from uh, Kieran Fitzgibbons, you know, the, the coach at CSA. He, 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 he goes, look, I, I can f- tell people how to check this thing. The idea you can't check it is fucking nonsense. He's getting pissed. So, but, but it's that. That's how you check it. You have got to turn the foot out. Mm. Like you just can't take it like this. Mm. Like if your foot is facing forward and you take it. You only have a few of those and you're damaged, you know? Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's what four or five of them and then you're Maybe. pretty
0: compromised. Yeah. How about Khabib? Khabib took a shitload of them against Justin mm. and just kept charging at him, you yeah. know?
3: Maybe that's why he charged at him though, I too. I think so. I think you <laughs> I think so. That, yeah. that I kind of noticed that in Connor too in the Poirier fight where I was like i saw that his leg was hurt and i was like he's got to start going after him Mm -hmm. because there's no way he can go three more rounds like this yeah well also
0: with connor he's uh southpaw to southpaw right so he's got that heavy front leg he puts a lot of weight on the front leg connor does a lot of this where he leans in on that front leg it's much harder to get the leg up much harder to move it much harder to check and with Dustin being a southpaw as well, it just opens it up to that kick. It's right there.
3: Yeah, you know. Yeah, they're nasty. I think you should get your ass out of the way though. Yeah, <laughs>
0: move the leg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> move the leg. You know, well, you're a guy who moves a lot. Yeah, you're very fleet of foot. You know, when do you practice a lot of calf kicks in in training?
3: Uh, like people throwing them on me or yeah. throwing them? Uh, well, I guess both. Um,
0: yeah, we do them. Do you uh, use that calf guard? You ever see that thing? uh uh-uh. Uh. It's a new thing that uh, guys have come up with just to protect yourself from from calf kicks. Very smart. Go to the calf guard. I know they have an Instagram page. It's like a shin guard except for your calf. Yeah, yeah, that's very smart. It's a thick, heavy pad. It's like a tie pad that's attached to the outside of your calf mm. so you can blast someone. So you can do drills and blast someone with a calf kick and not fucking cripple them. <laughs> that's going to you know?
3: be funny. People are going to get so good at attacking with all the parts of their body, like their shoulders. Yeah, and You're going to start looking <laughs> like the century
0: Bob. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's right? going to go strapped in in one of those suits. When you saw that fight with Connor and Cowboy, did you start practicing shoulders? Did you think about that? Uh, Tim Means was
3: doing those a long time ago. Dirty Bird. Yeah, yeah. I've I seen him do that a long time ago. It's really funny because you watch like uh, a technique can be part of the 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 system. And then it's not until someone that's like really high caliber fighter uses the technique that like people start to get on board with it. You know, right. like Tim Means was using those for a really long time. I mean, calf kicks have been around for a really long time. We just now everyone's kind of like. And I was kind of thinking back you might know this, but who was, who was it that made those like really, really popular?
0: Benson Henderson was the first guy I ever saw throw. Yeah. Or uh, one of, one of the first guys. There
3: has to be someone him. recently though, in the last couple of years where there know, was, man. where there was a fight where it was yeah. like, this is the fight where yeah. now everyone's bought into this idea. Because I think I think as far as if I'm a fighter watching, I think it's really easy to get confidence when you're like, oh, this guy's one of the best guys in the world and he's doing this. I need to do that. But when you see someone who's maybe, you know, two or three fights into their into their professional career and they're doing something the same, you're like, eh, maybe it's good. Right. Maybe it's not. Right. You know? Maybe it's not. So, I, I mean, I try to watch for all of those things early. You know, because I think that there's just as much to be learned from those, like, really, really, you know, high-level, championship-level fighters as there are on, like, the day-one debut UFC fighters. I think that there's just as much.
0: I wonder what's out there that we haven't found yet. Like, I know
3: there's a lot of shit. You want to know how I
0: know? <laughs> here's, so, here's the calf guard. Look at that. Oh, that's cool. Pretty dope, right? So, you can fucking dig in. A lot of dudes are going to get torn ACLs from this thing. Shh, seriously. You know? Because if you let guys, like, a Francis Ngannou-type character... <laughs> off on your calf like that pretty smart though smart to have that thing where you can practice it and really dig in but that you know that's the thing Like, pe- there's this, There's so much room for innovation in this sport yep. people are always finding some new ways to do things it's
3: exciting I think last year too I don't know you tell me but it feels like the sport I mean obviously it's gotten bigger but man it feels weird to not have fights on Saturday to watch yeah for me at
0: least yeah, because they're on almost every weekend. They're on almost every single weekend. That's a beautiful thing it's, about the UFC's ESPN deal. Yeah, they've like, been crushing it, man. Yeah, they, Dana White's been crushing it. They crank out fights. Dude, every yeah. when
3: when there's not a fight on Saturday, I don't know what I'm doing on Saturdays. I know. Anymore. I, th- I think it's like that for a lot of people too, where it's like that's like ingrained in us just like washing our hands and all of
0: that shit. Well now. this weekend is bonkers. This weekend is a bonkers card. Bro, it's I can't, so good. There's dude, fights on the undercard that people forgot about. Cruz and uh, Casey,
3: yeah, and then uh, Dober against Islam. Yes, Islam. That's Makenchev gonna be sick.
0: Dober's great. So let's look at this. Well, whose song you do fight? Oh fighting? yeah, Benavid too. Kyler Phillips. I think yeah. he was scheduled Benavides. to fight a Sour or something first. Oh, that's a good fight, man. Oscar Oskarov, that guy's good. Yeah, he's good. That's too. a good fight. Look, they're all ranked guys. Yep. The entire undercard is top fifteen yep. guys almost. No, this is one of those super cards. It legitimately is, because if you go to the main card, like, Jesus, Luizus, I don't know what to think about that main event, man. Blahovich and yeah. Adesanya is a, such a good fight.
3: Yeah, did you hear Israel was saying, it, like, maybe he'd be 200 pounds?
0: Yeah, he said he might be 193. Yeah. He said, don't be surprised by 193.
3: Yeah. What do you think of that? I don't know, man. I don't know either, bro. You, I mean, it's the laws of nature, bro. The bigger animal usually wins, right? He's so good, though. Yeah, he's so he's good. such
0: a virtuoso. His striking, his striking is at such a high level, man. And he said he's not going to fuck with his body and put on a lot of extra weight. He said that shit slows you down and makes you tired easier. And he says, um, I'm fine where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, we'll find out if he's right. If he's right, man, it's going to change a lot of people's thinking about weight classes. I
3: mean, yeah. I mean, I guess what's the alternative? He just starts eating more and then he's like heavier.
0: Well, you got to right. think if you really, it's more than that, right? You'd want to lift weights. You don't want to just eat more. If he's how, coming how, from the Palo Costa fight, it's not that long ago. Yeah. I mean, how much stronger can you get in like four months though? Right. right. If you're going to go up to light heavyweight from where you're at, you you know, like if you were a 185 and you wanted to go up to 205, like a legit 205, you really want to probably get to like 220.
3: Dude, that's, bro, that's, that's a big gap. Dude, 20 gap. 20
0: pounds is a big gap. It's the biggest gap in that's the sport. Other than heavyweight. Yeah. I think there should be a weight class every 10 pounds. Every 5 you mean? Oh, no, oh,
3: oh, 10. you're talking about in the heavier yeah. ones. Oh, I think that there should be one almost every 5. It's
4: not a bad idea. Especially
3: if we're going to start doing, you know, champ champ stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I think that it's not a bad idea to kind of maybe adopt some of that stuff in boxing and kind of, you know, if why not why not make it every 5 pounds and then make,
0: you know, two title fights every card. Isn't it weird though that the UFC has the names of the weight classes that exist in boxing, but a totally different weight.
3: Yeah, very confusing.
0: Like, welterweight in boxing is 147. Welterweight in the UFC is 170. That's a fucking giant difference, That's man. why,
3: yeah, that's why I just always <laughs> call them by their weights. Yeah. I always say 135, 45, because I don't even know a lot of them.
0: I think that's the right way to do it, honestly. Yeah. Like, call someone the 170-pound champion. I mean, welterweight, like, what does that even mean? what's, it, yeah, what what's is a welter? A welter? <laughs> That's oh, a, that is a really fascinating fight, because I'll tell you what, that Wachowicz guy, you can't zig when you should have zagged with that dude. He hits, yep. <laughs> he hits so fucking hard. Yeah. When you he can... knocked out Dominic Reyes like that, I was like, oh my goodness. Even before that, you had
3: to know, too, because even Dom's demeanor kind of changed, where it was like, ooh, yeah. don't get hit by that.
0: Well, he was getting those left kicks to the body, and he had... Bohovich's footprint on his rib cage. Yeah. Do you remember that? It was yep. fucking brutal. Yep. Like this huge black and red bruise on his rib cage. I'm like, fuck, this guy's getting crushed. I mean, he's just a heavy, bone dense dude. Yep. He looks dense, bro. He looks like
3: he hits hard. But yeah, man, Israel is just so damn good. Israel is a uh, virtuoso. He really I, is. He's yeah. a master. I a think a master he's, striker. I think he's so. Uh, I think he's intelligent
0: enough to have thought of all the things that could go Blakovic wrong. is going to yeah. try to do, you know. It's a question, right? It's like, what you know, if the guy's coming at you and he's much larger and there's much more danger in in him hitting you, like what what do you do differently than you would do it for a 185 pound fighter, like Paulo Costa, like Paulo Costa is a He's a destroyer, but he's a guy who beats guys up and then takes them and puts them away. He doesn't KO anybody with one shot. This guy KOs light heavyweights with one shot. I mean, he puts people in another dimension when he punches them. He hits fucking... When he hit Rockhold, when he KO'd Rockhold and Rockhold's laying his back like, what the fuck? Yeah. You can see. One punch. That's all it takes. Yeah. Boom! Especially in that littler cage, too.
3: Mm-hmm. That 25-foot cage, those guys are big, man. That's a good point. Yeah, that's it's a, a good cage, point. you know?
0: I mean... Hard to get away. Yeah.
3: yeah. It's a difference, too, you know? Like, you think, like, if, if it's a circle, five feet less, there's a lot less room for, you know? Like, yeah. this becomes less.
0: And by the way, there's no one in the Apex Center. Why can't you get a full-size cage in there? Bro, it's not- that's... I have no idea. You got plenty of room. Yeah, yeah. There's no crowd. We can afford it. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Adasanya is the heavy favorite with an implied win probability of 71.43%. But despite Blahovich 27 and 8 being the incumbent champ in the higher weight class, a $10 bet on Adasanya to win would return a profit of just $4. That's really surprising. Wow. Well, he's that good. I mean, he is that good. Yeah, I get it. But I think it's a dangerous fight because there's moments where you're there. There's moments when you're there, you know, and, He's been hit. I mean, he's been hit by Kelvin Gastelum. He's been hit by guys. He got he got hit with a big shot from Yoel Romero when Romero was standing straight at him. You know, he absorbed it and he you know he was fine. But I think that Blahovich guy carries a lot of real fucking danger in his fists. Yeah, you know, no doubt. It's crazy, no doubt. But it's exciting. Yeah, it's that's super what you exciting. want to see, man. Yeah. Plus the balls of him to go up to two hundred five and not even gain weight the balls and then talk about going to heavyweight yes, too yes <laughs> and you know he's talking about fighting john jones but he said uh recently that he doesn't want to fight john without a crowd he said he wants to wait till the crowd so maybe around december that's fair yeah that's fair listen man plenty of time to build that motherfucker up yeah that fight and then you got to think by december who knows what's happening in the heavyweight division right because we have Stipe versus francis in ghana which is a crazy rematch when is that um, that's real soon. It's March, right? Yes, you know. April twenty seventh. Yeah. Ooh, that's yeah, just a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah. Ooh. so you have that D- Derek Lewis, who just knocked Curtis out with one shot. You know, that's a crazy uh, entrance because he's beaten Francis Gano in a decision. So you got to wonder, like, what happens right after uh, Francis and Stipe? If Stipe wins, does Stipe retire? I mean if Stepe wins he beats Francis a second time man on paper hard to say that guy's not the goat yeah. you know yeah. lost the title regained it defended the title more than anyone ever Stepe is you know? a
3: sleeper man he's a sleeper bro I think I don't I don't know cuz I don't follow like a ton but uh why isn't he you know up there i feel like i hear a lot of stuff about ninganu but i don't hear a lot of stuff about Stephen. same
0: thing with the first fight in the yeah. first fight people felt the same way you know everybody was thinking about ninganu because he puts people into orbit
3: yeah you know yeah he's when, got that physique and that look and oh everything my God. to him too but
0: he kos people so badly yeah when he kos them they're they're so fucked yeah like if you look at the fight with Alistair, when he caught him with that vicious shovel hook I mean, my God. Yeah, that was pretty. Oh, yeah. my God. It's like one of the worst chaos I've ever seen. Yeah, watching that is hard. Ooh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. But the thing about Stipe is he, he's so cl- But also, they're going to be fighting that little cage, too. Yeah. That's a Vegas fight, too. Yeah. Ooh, that's different. Yeah. Because Stipe's got to get away from him. And then also, Engano's going to get away from Stipe taking him down. Mm-hmm. That's different, too.
3: Yeah, it's, it's oh interesting in the goodness. smaller cage. I would like to see some stats on you know how, how the fights are in the 25-foot cage versus the 30-foot one.
0: Right, if there's more finishes. Yeah, they, I mean,
3: there's got to be some stats that they'll come up with.
0: Yeah, I bet. Um, If Stipe does win, I wonder if he's going to retire or for wonder if he waits around for John. Because if he wins and then John comes up and fights him at heavyweight, holy shit, what yeah. a super fight that would be. Yeah. If Stipe could beat John oh my goodness yeah oh my goodness you know yeah now john beats stipe Woo! yeah so many fights
3: yeah they need to add in another weight class in between all 225 of them need, you think no yeah. yeah something all of them i yeah. think need to have a weight class in between it's yeah. like there's too much now you know it's too much There, there's like too many really exciting fights where and and i just the 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 idea of like the title getting like held up for like Mm -hmm. a year or a year and a
0: half right that's a long ass time man well again that brings us to uh saturday night as well with amanda Nunes because amanda's she's holding two titles and defending them both simultaneously that's crazy (laughs) bro and like where's the real competition for her like there's no one person that stands out as being like wow i can't wait for amanda to fight this person no she fucking nuked cyborg and then everybody's like jesus And then every fight since then has been, you know, like, she's had some good fights. She's had some tough fights, but there's no one that stands out. Jermaine Durand to me was a real threat standing up. You know, Mm -hmm. Jermaine is a vicious striker. But, you know, Megan, it's not like people are calling for this Megan fight. It's just that Megan is, you know, in, in terms of, like, who's available at 145, she's the best UFC contender.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough position, huh? Tough position. It's interesting too.
0: that weight class is Kayla Harrison, the the judo champ that's yeah, fighting PFL? for PFL. Yeah, because yeah, she's a fucking tank. Yeah, that's a real one forty five. You see when she flexes, dude. Yeah,
3: dude. I hear she has issues making forty or not issues, but I hear that like forty five is like a cut for her.
0: Yeah, I yeah. bet it is. I bet it is. <laughs> she looks like Drew Dober. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. Ja- Look at that, bro. <laughs> bro, come on, that's Drew Dober. She was <laughs> jacked Have you
3: seen Dober's legs I oh, mean, they're Ridiculous yeah. Tree Bro, trunks crazy. Yeah he's like Tree a hippopotamus trunks.
0: Yeah but go back to that picture again Come on son Look at the arms on her I'd be proud of those arms <laughs> If I had arms like that I would never stop flexing i just walk around like that <laughs> Everywhere That's how I go I carry my groceries I do not know Yeah How tall is she young Jamie Five
3: eight. Five Yeah eight. I don't know you, you think the day will ever come Where we'll do like A lot of cross promotional stuff
0: I hope so yeah. Or I hope she just uh, jumps ship and joins the UFC because, you know, the UFC needs uh, they a, need some. a legit 145 pound threat to Amanda mm-hmm. Nunes. I mean, after she knocked out Cyborg, there's been no real clamoring of someone for her to fight. She's got people to fight in both bantamweight and in light heavyweight or in um, uh, featherweight where people are willing to fight her, but there's no one that really stands out.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something needs to happen. Yeah. What uh? Who do you think the winner of Jan and
0: uh, Sterling should fight? Maybe this uh, this is a Sanhagen kid that's been <laughs> killing it lately. <laughs> I mean, who else? There's is Pedro Munoz. Uh, this, Co- you know, he he KO'd Cody Garbrandt, right? And Cody's back in it after KOing a Sun Sal. Cody wants TJ. Everybody wants TJ because there's a lot of money in fighting TJ. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of fights for them. You know, um, I think you. That's what yeah. I would say. Yeah, particularly okay. based on those last two fights, and if Aljamain wins, holy shit, what a fight that is! Yeah, you know, you guys fighting again, a rematch for the title.
3: I think the division needs like a good trilogy. Mm. You know, What mm. a cool trilogy? When when was last time we had like a cool trilogy in the UFC? Right. I guess it's gonna be yeah. Poirier and McGregor probably next. But yeah,
0: it seems like they're gonna do that. But that's they've got to pay Dustin. Can't man can't live off hot sauce money alone. Yeah, he needs that cheddar. Yeah. I I mean, listen if Khabib's not going to fight for the title and you're not going to have an interim title, if Khabib's going to fight for the title again, I want Oliveira Cause I feel like yeah. if anyone's going to fight for the actual title, I feel like as a purist, Charles Oliveira has looked sensational. You look at what he did to Tony Ferguson. You look at what he did to Kevin Lee. You're like, this guy is on fire right now. His technique is so sharp. He's so good. I want to see Oliveira fight for the title. But if it's not for the title, if it's just a big ass money 5-round fight, okay. Yeah. That that makes sense. You do a rematch. Yeah. Because you're not holding anything up, right? But you got to have a title fight eventually. Yeah, you got to. You got to. I think they want Dana does not want Khabib to retire. And he doesn't want to take the title away from him and then have him come back again for the title. He wants him to fight again for the title, but I just don't know if he's going to be able to convince Khabib. I yeah. think Khabib he drives a fucking Toyota truck, dude. I mean, that guy doesn't need shit. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. Lives care. in the same house he's yeah. always lived in. That's he. That's
3: awesome. I I don't know him. I would really love to get to know that guy because I'm sure that he has like a ton of lessons, you know, to teach people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, I get that feel where he's he's in it for the love, bro. He's yeah. He's in it to mall, bro. That's like one of my favorite lines <laughs> yeah. of all time. I just want, to, or did he say smash or mall? Yeah, I, I just want just, to smash. I just want to mall people. That's yeah. all that I want to do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on board with that.
0: He had the one of the best quotes ever about Conor. I want to change his face. <laughs> change his face. Yeah. Whoa.
3: See, I, yeah. Learn it. Like, for me, yeah. as, a, as a fighter kind of coming up, I watch people talk like that. And Tyson's one of my favorite people to talk or listen to talk also. And then uh, Kobe Bryant is a good one. But, like, all of those guys where it's just, like, borderline, like, a little psychotic, you know? Yes. Like, borderline, like, wow, these guys are probably fantasizing about, like, hurting
0: their opponents oh yeah for weeks you know oh yeah oh yeah Tyson most certainly did do you ever uh see that documentary on Tyson where he goes into depth about his thought process going from walking from the dressing room walking to the ring and then stepping into the ring the transformation that his mind makes
3: I saw a video of it where he's like and I'm looking at him and I'm looking at him and I'm waiting for him
0: find that Jamie find that pull
2: that up
3: I I love love it. I love that Tyson's so open about talking about stuff like that because, I mean, I promised my mom and Erica that I would keep it, like, fairly at a low level of intensity with my, like, detail and description of, like, what goes on in my mind, too. Because it is, because it is a lot, it's, like, a lot of violent stuff like that.
0: So, talking on here about that?
3: Yeah, because I don't... They don't want you to talk about that? Yeah, they don't want me to sound like a fucking nutball, man. Like Like a, like a, you know? And who knows, you know, like, uh... Who knows, bro? I don't want someone to frame me later, you know? So like, your
0: mom and your girlfriend sat you down and they go, let's have a talk.
3: Yeah, because I've, you know, in the in the past <laughs> I've brought up like, yeah, you know, like I just would really like to, and I, you know, I got memed for this, but, you know, I was ready to rip his heart op- or rip his chest open and start eating his heart, you know, like just saying weird shit like that. It's like my mom and girlfriend were like, please, for God's don't, sake, don't just don't say, don't say that, Because then yeah. the
0: neighbors want to talk yeah. to us about it. <laughs> Yeah.
3: But no, man, I'm, I think that like, I don't know how many other people are on that level of like thinking, but you know, it's definitely something that I've adopted. And I think that it's like really, a really good survival tool for this sport. Like having a mind like that is a super good survival technique.
0: Is it because like when the shit goes down and you're in the middle of the firefight, like that might maintain, you're maintaining that mindset rather than trying to gather it up? while it's a fight for your life.
3: Yeah. That and you just have to be ready to do it, man. Like you have to be ready to really really harm someone. Like if you get if you get someone's, you know, if you get someone in a heel hook, you have to be ready to like break it. Yeah. Right? Like it's not it's not training. Right It's not like you're going in And it's like I maybe have this I maybe don't Whatever I'll let go Because I don't want to hurt this person It's like No if I get that sucker I better be ready to wrench on it Right It's you know You have to be like Prepared for that level of violence And I think that you don't really Get to Get to prepare for that Unless you've like Done a lot of hard Thinking about it
0: When Curtis um, And uh, Derek Lewis fought And Derek KO'd him With that uppercut And then blasted him When he was out A couple of times And then he's like Hey that's Herb Dean's fault Like He's right. He is right. He's right. I mean, a lot of people were saying, hey, maybe he shouldn't have hit him when he was out like that. And then he's like, what if he rises up like the Undertaker?
3: Yeah. (laughs) I, I mean, man, like, uh, I used to look at guys like that and be like, that guy's an asshole, you know? But now I get it. Like, now I get it. Like, uh everyone has to be different when you're in that cage it's a different set of cultural rules like you're not operating in the same mentality that you are when you're walking to the supermarket yeah Yeah. or or walking up and down the austin strip like that's not where you have to be in your head when you walk into a cage and people aren't going to understand that i didn't understand that for a really long time where it was like even someone like cody garbrandt and mcgregor like you watch how they act and uh sometimes you're like man that guy's like really arrogant like this and that and it's like that's what he's doing because we're in like we're in a different set of cultural rules, yeah. you know. Like here it is, play this. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen this.
0: You get volume on this. Uh,
2: there's one. That's why I thought you were talking about the one where he's voicing it over. Yeah, correct? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm having a real hard time finding it for some reason. Oh really? Yeah, I'm just uh, finding like you the can most see in his face. Mike Tyson walkout, but it's just oh, the one man. from the Spanx. I want to
0: hear it. The, the one from the Spanx. He fight, looks like right? he said he had gonorrhea when he went there. <laughs> <laughs> he had gonorrhea <laughs> while he knocked out Michael Spence. <laughs> It's just so crazy. <laughs> yeah. If you could find it, you can find it. If not, don't worry about it. But it's one of the when he walks through, he's like, and then when I walk through the ropes, I'm a god. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, whew. Yeah. That just gives you goosebumps, yeah.
3: man. I totally think that that's what he thinks, dude. I oh, mean yeah. man, when I walk into the cage, like I said, when I feel no, untouchable stop. now, like that's
0: not true. That's how I feel. Oh, here it there is. It is. Well, do, I mean, do it from you the beginning. Take it from the beginning. No. As
4: soon as I come into the no, ring. As soon as I come into the ring. No, from the beginning. No, stop it.
0: That's okay. not true. Oh, here it is. While I'm
4: in the dressing room, five minutes before I come out, my gloves are laced up. I'm breaking my gloves down. I'm, bro- I'm pushing the lever in the back of my glove, I'm gloves. breaking the middle of the gloves for so my knuckle could pierce through the leather. I feel my knuckle piercing against the tight leather gloves on the Everlast boxing gloves. When I come out, I have supreme confidence. But I'm scared to death. I'm totally afraid. I'm afraid of everything. I'm afraid of losing. I'm afraid of being humiliated. But I'm totally confident. The closer I get to the ring, the more confidence I get. The closer, the more confidence I get. The closer, the more confidence I get. All during my training, I've been afraid of this man. I thought this man might be capable of beating me. I've dreamed of him beating me, but, that, but I always stayed afraid of him. But the closer I get to the ring, I'm more confident. Once I'm in the ring, I'm a god. No one could beat me. I walk around the ring, but I never I never take my eyes off my opponent. I keep my eyes on him, even if he's ready and pumping he can't wait to get his hands on me as well. I keep my eyes on him, I keep my eyes on him, I keep my eyes on him. Then once I see a chink in his arm, boom, and one of his eyes may move, and then I know I have him. Then when he comes to the center of the ring, he still looks at me with his piercing look and as if he's not afraid, but he already made that mistake when he when he looked down for that one-tenth of a second. I know I had him. He'll fight hard for the first two or three rounds, but I know I already broke his spirit. During the fight, I'm supremely confident. I'm moving my head, he's throwing punches. I'm making a miss and I'm countering. I'm hitting him to the body, I'm punching real hard. And I'm punching and when I'm punching him, I know he's not able to take my punches. One, two, three punches. I'm throwing him punches and bunches. He goes down, he's out. I'm victorious. Mike Tyson, greatest fighter that ever lived.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. That's how you learn how to be intense, man. He's so fun to listen to talk.
0: Oh yeah. He's he so is. fun to listen to talk. When uh, I got him fired up last time I was talking to him, he started talking about conquerors. He yep. started talking about Genghis Khan and you realize how much he has studied those people. I read
3: a lot about those people also. Yeah. Yep, I like studying like war strategy and uh he brought up like Napoleon and yeah. all of those guys. Yep, I'm... Um, I, I like to read uh, when I'm in camp. Like I'll read like uh, as much, you know, war strategy and shit on war and stuff on combat and psychology of combat and all of that stuff. I'll read that stuff because I really believe, man. Like uh, you can really program that in your brain, you know. So like the first thirty, forty minutes of my day when I'm in training camp and and outside, but I'm just reading different things when I'm outside of training camp is like war stuff, man. Because you really? can really program. I think you can program yourself to not not only like. Uh, it's important in performance man but fighting is so much bigger than just what's happening in the cage man it's like it's a it's a place you know like it's a certain environment like it's a certain place that you need to put yourself in uh that that just is where you need to be in my opinion to 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 be at the level you know that i'm competing at now
0: so when you say war books like what kind of books what are you reading
3: uh i'm really enjoying uh robert green's the 33 strategies of war uh which kind of just covers like a lot of you know each chapter is a different strategy of war uh and i'll read each chapter and you know sit and kind of think about like okay how, how can i use this in my arena you know because not a lot of it is uh not a lot of it is just on the actual combat part part because What we're doing, man, because I I get a lot of, you know, praise or compliments on like how technical I am. I could give a shit less how technical I am. You know, I, I I could care less about how good of a striker I am. I could care less about like how skilled I am or any of that. What I want to be is a master of war. You know, and that's that extends way past technical part. That extends into the level of intensity that you're bringing in when you walk into a fight. It it extends into how you're living each day and day life, and how your relationships go. And 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 uh, it's it's way outside the cage, man. So for me in camp, I'm not a very fun guy to be around. You know, like because I'm programming myself in order to you know be as war minded as possible. And that you know, like I said, that shit don't work in real life. So uh i'm trying to find nice balance in it but uh it's it's just different man like when you're reading those things i feel it in my bones man like i'm just a different person the way i see things the way i view things is just geared towards how do i get what i want through all of these things
0: and this is something that you're programming your mind to 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 think like
3: yep definitely it's it's just something where i mean books are just brain food uh and I spend my thir- my first thirty or forty five minutes of every day reading something like that because I think it it gets me in that gear. You know, it it gets me. Uh it just gets me in that war brain, like you see with Tyson. You know, it gets me going in that direction, and it's kind of a peaking process as as camp kind of goes through. In the beginning, obviously, it doesn't need to be too intense. Around like four or five weeks weeks out, it's it's pretty intense. About three weeks away, it's uh, I don't really care too much about what else is happening in in life or in the world or whatever. It's it's solely like that night, and then two weeks away is a little bit more intense. One week away, my entire fight week, I don't do anything, you know, like I do my media, but I literally, I just lay in bed and I imagine how I want the fight to go. What's going to go right? What's going to go wrong? When things start to go wrong, how am I going to react to that? And it's like, it's literally just me laying in bed. And every once in a while, I'll go hang out with my corners. I'll watch TV, something stupid for an hour with them. I'll go back to my room. I'll do the same thing again. And it's just, it's this peaking process that you, that I never knew anything about until I started kind of like gearing my my mind for war and, and and talking with people and talking with my sports psychologist and all of that. And uh, it's a peaking process, man. So that when I walk, when, when I walk into the arena that night, now, you know, now that I've, I I feel like I'm a, I'm a new fighter, uh, I'm ready to flip the switch like this. You know, like when I'm getting my hands taped, I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, let me put my hands on someone. And I think that that's like from the reading of the books, from the peaking process, from the visualizations, from, you know, having thoughts of like wanting to really put your hands on someone to put it nicely and uh, and 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 laying in bed and not thinking about anything else except for how you how dominant you're going to be in this fight. And it's like a, it's a whole new thing for me now, man. And
0: I, I, you know, in the last couple of fights, it's for sure, you know, flourished. So before that, um, on the week of the fight, how would you, in your previous fights, how I would you handle the week of the fight? Distract myself.
3: I, I see that all the time with fighters, too, is they'll try to distract themselves as much as possible. And, and if you don't give yourself time, whether it's a week before, 10 weeks before, whatever, if you don't give yourself time to sit with those thoughts that are happening inside your head, they're going to come out, and they're going to come out. 10 minutes before the fight, 15 minutes before the fight, and you're not going to have time to deal with those, mm-hmm. uh, in in my belief. So I don't try to distract myself. I sit there and I watch everything that's happening in my brain, and I'll say, okay, yeah, that's good. Mm, I don't really want that idea. I don't want that thought in there. So let, let's not, you know, you don't have any business being here. Like one, I think, really good example is uh, the the morning I woke up to fight Frankie, i I, and i've had this happen in the past too and i didn't know how to deal with it i just didn't feel like fighting you know i don't know if it's because of the moment or because uh i I think after doing a lot of thinking about it i think it's that uh my eastern way of thinking about things where it's like no desire no attachment no this It, it wants to make your life feel really small it wants you to It wants you to have goals that are this big because anything this big is you're gonna have to suffer that much more for. Mm. So uh, that's in me, you know. Like I did a lot of time programming that in me. But the day of the fight isn't for that, you know. The day of the fight is for me to be wired in on you know getting the job done. And so that morning of the fight, I just didn't feel like fighting. And I think it's just because I tried to make it little. I tried to be, you know, I tried to. You try to tell yourself all kinds of things like, "Ah, if you lose, nothing really changes." Blah blah blah. You start making excuses for yourself, and and I think that that's why I, I, I try to make things small. But I remember I was writing in my journal that morning because I couldn't get the thought out of my head. I couldn't get it out where I was like, man, I got to fight later. Like that's a really intense thing. Like I don't know if I don't I don't really feel like doing that. And then I started writing in my journal, and it's just another demon in your head that wants to make your life this big. When mm. really, like, we're not I, I'm we're not made to be this big. We're made to we're made to do what we want with our lives. And that little, that little demon in there, uh, fuck that guy, you know, (laughs) fuck that guy. (laughs) And, uh, and and now that I'm, and and I, and I really believe if I tried to distract myself that whole day and not think about that, that, that demon would have popped up and been like, Hey, guess what, bitch? We're happening 10, 15 minutes before the fight. You're feeling small and Mm -hmm. like, I don't do that anymore. I sit there in bed and I just think, and and I watch my thoughts, and and I just make sure that I'm 100% geared and ready to go.
0: Wow, that's heavy. I love it. That's going to be some kid's version of that Mike Tyson speech, right now. <laughs> just like a little that. bit
3: more of a nasally voice, <laughs> <laughs> a little a little bit paler skin.
0: But it's also like you know you're you're talking about some real shit, like the this this the little mind games that your your head plays on you. You know where your head's like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter if you win or lose; it's no big deal. Your your head tries to diminish the moment in some sort of, because confronting the reality of what you're about to do it's so difficult to do that it gets it. Can, you can be crippled just by the anxiety of
3: it. Yeah, it's easier to be small than it is to be big. Yes. I used to name my egos. Yeah, uh, I used to name them because I would watch them and they'd be like, it'd be like similar shit popping up over and over again. So I used to just name all of the voices so that I didn't attach myself to 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 me you know uh like i the one that would get pissed off a lot I, n- I would name him samson so whenever i would catch myself like being really angry i'd be like nah not today samson you know May- maybe a little bit later like maybe during practice but right now not not right now and then i'd have charlie charlie wanted to go out all the time and he wanted to you know he wanted to have fun and he didn't want to train hard and I named Charlie and I told Charlie to go away a bunch of times. And I had a bunch of names for all of these little, you know, demons inside of my head that I would just have to tell to, you know, fuck off sometimes.
0: Mm, interesting. Yeah. You named them.
3: It makes it easier that way. How because many- then you're not identifying that it's me that's thinking this. It's just some stupid person.
0: Oh, interesting. They
3: helped me a lot. helped me a lot. How do you know who's who? Any thought is someone Right. You know, even I think even the good the good thoughts are the ones that are the most dangerous because they're the ones that you want to have. But, you know, they might not be the healthiest because they can get greedy and they can get hungry. Like, for example, like uh, I want shit, you know, like I, I don't like nice things, you know, like I'm not big on all of that stuff. But uh, I, I want to set myself or I want to set myself up and my fam my future family up with like a good life. And sometimes that voice even gets a little bit greedy, where it's like, I'm um, I'm looking for things to invest in, I'm looking for, you know, how much how much more can I get on my next contract, this and that, and I haven't named that one, because that's kind of a new one, because now I'm actually making some money, but uh, I haven't named that one, but even that one, I'll be like, mm, not today, man, we're a little bit too close to the fight, I don't need to be stressing about where I'm investing my money. Right now, it's just about, you know, taking care of business.
0: Mm. Yeah. So... When you when you say that the 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 good ideas they can be a problem too.
3: The good thoughts.
0: The good thoughts. Yeah,
3: I see people do that all the time. And uh, so, for example, I think that when you when you interview a fighter and you and you hear them not acknowledge anything that the that their opponent is doing that does well, I think that that's you know you that's like a good thought that is it, it can sabotage you later. So if I'm like okay, uh, well. Uh, Sterling's a really good grappler, but he can't strike. It's like, that's not true. Like he can strike, but me telling myself that is a good thought for me. Like, you know, it maybe makes me a little bit less anxious, but is it true? No. So Mm -hmm. like, so why am I telling myself that good thing? It's only so that I can like get a little bit less stressed, but it's not a good thing because it's not true right that makes sense it's those good ones man the good ones like for example i'm on a roll right now like i knock frankie out it's hard for me sometimes to not feel like the man right now a (laughs) little bit like my ego wants to feel like the man but it's like nah man not 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 today you know not not today we got training today but you should feel a little bit like the man in in uh, should you i think i don't know just a touch well shit i, I mean i definitely do so that's not an issue <laughs> <laughs> There you go.
0: though. well you're admitting it i yeah. mean it's there's something to it it's like you're recognizing and acknowledging that all this hard work and even these uh mindsets that you put yourself in where you do grapple with reality like it's working yep you know it's clearly working in two big fights in a row yeah yeah uh
3: but also, I think that that little voice that, you know, makes you feel like the man, if he gets and just like any voice, if it yeah. gets carried away, it's going to it's going to lead to me not doing what I need to do in order for me to keep excelling and keep doing better and better. And, and I think that it's easy to ride a nice wave. It's, a, it's like we were talking about earlier. When you lose, you never want that to happen again. But when you're winning, you're kind of coasting. You're doing yeah. good. You know, it's, it's not easy to make a, a, a change when you're winning. But it's like changes still need to happen when you're winning.
0: That's the problem, right? like so when everything's going great, then things are kind of comfortable. And when things are comfortable, you're not growing.
3: Yeah. And it feels good. It feels yeah. good to be comfortable. Yeah. You know? But it's not good. It's not good to it's be comfortable. It's not good. No. Especially in this sport. You'll get fucked up in this sport if you get too comfortable.
0: I think it's probably in almost anything that's difficult. Yep. Comfort is probably a bad idea.
3: Yep. All the time, man. And, and you know not not to and maybe i i have an issue of taking a breath smelling the flowers because like i want to you know i want i want to win a world title i want to reign as the champ for a really long time like that's that's why i have my heart set on so it's really hard for me to just pause and be like all right cool like i just had a really great knockout against frankie like awesome you know like that's really hard for me to do i know that it's important but like
0: nah man i want i want a world title really bad so so you are sitting here waiting on the results of this Saturday, and you're likely in the running. There's a, just a couple other people that are in the running. There's Pedro Munoz. There's uh, Again, we talked about but there's no way TJ is going to come back and get a direct shot of the title, especially after getting popped for EPO. So he's going to have to be at least one person, probably a couple people. Um, where, where do you see the division right now when you when you look at that? Like, you are likely one of the next guys in line for the title. Would you be willing to fight one more time for the title? Are you going to hold out for a title shot? Like, what's your thoughts? I don't I don't like
3: the idea of holding out. Uh, um, no, it, it would be, you know, if they give me the title shot, great. If I have to win another one, I'm cool with that too. You know, I, I want it to be for a number one contender spot, and I feel like the only people that are – really in that conversation is probably garbrandt and probably tj uh and i heard
0: even garbrandt right he has one victory after losing three in a row and then i
3: mean even tj coming back from a two-year suspension it's like should you know should he even so at this point i really think that i'm the man you know like i'm the guy that should be getting called out
0: what's your ranking right now
3: two i've been Two. two in the since i beat Marlon, yeah Sterling's one And then when I beat Marlon I became two I stayed number two When I beat Frankie
0: So it's gotta be you next I mean, as a purist That's how I look at it As a purist, yeah And then where's Pedro? Pedro Munoz Where's he Uh, still? I think he was maybe Seven or eight before Rivera And after the Rivera fight Where's he at? Okay, so Rob Font That's right Rob Font's a bad motherfucker too Oh yeah, yeah Yeah, Rob Font is good God damn, what a stacked division What a stacked division And Jose's still number five Interesting Yeah, what a fucking division, man.
3: Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm definitely open, man. I I mean, the UFC has been talking about doing a me and TJ fight. You know, Mm. I'm on board with that.
0: Yeah. I don't
3: know why it wasn't really him in February because he was off of his suspension. I was the number two guy in February. I don't really know why it was him in February. But anyways, man, I, I think that I should be, you know, Either next for the title or given someone like the UFC has been talking about me and TJ, I'm open to that fight also.
0: Yeah. So there's TJ, there's Cody, there's Rob Font. Rob Font looks like a goddamn assassin now too. He's very good. So many good fighters, man. It's what a crazy division. Like, there's people are so good. There's so many good guys. You can kind of forget about Rob Font till you see the the rankings and like, chat, Jesus. He, he'll, he'll be one of those guys, though.
3: He'll be like a, you know, he'll be like a me. He just needs like two, you know, two good finishes over these top guys. And then Who did he'll, he be, just KO? he'll be like me. He just, he just KO'd Marlon.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Dude, so Marlon. he's already got one. He just needs, you know.
0: Yeah, Marlon, imagine going back to the first round of that Cejudo fight. Marlon looked like a fucking world beater. Looked like he was going to be the man. Looks like the man. You know, he's chiseled. Guy's built like a Greek god.
3: Yeah, we were watching, uh, me and my coach Christian, we were watching that fight somewhere. And uh, it, was, it was him and Cejudo that were fighting. And uh, I forget when this was. It must have not been too long ago. But Christian goes, yeah, man, you win that fight. And I was like, what? I was like, you said that with so much confidence, you know, and, and I, I, I think that I can probably beat anyone, but I wouldn't answer that question with that much confidence if I was him, you know?
0: Why do you think you have so much confidence in you? Uh,
3: I think, you know, for me, like I said, I try to, uh, I, I don't know if I try to keep my confidence low, but I try to remind myself that I'm not where I want to be. I don't want those good voices coming in too much, you yeah. know? Uh, I don't need them. They don't help me right at at times. They help me at other times, but uh I think that I don't I don't really care to be too confident. I think I care to be really good and uh and and that's what I care about. So I don't really see myself as a uh like a phenomenal fighter to be honest. Like I I know that that's comparatively I probably am one of the best. Uh but in my head I'm like I have a I have a picture of like what a perfect fighter of me looks like, and I'm nowhere near that person. So I don't even con- and I compare myself to that person. I don't care my I don't compare myself to the other people in the division. To me, I compare myself to that perfect fighter that I have in my own head.
0: Do you have a favorite fighter from the past that you like watching? Yeah,
3: uh, dude. I used to be a huge fan of all those WEC guys: mm. Like Cerrone, Cruz, Faber, uh, Aldo. Of course, Aldo is one of my favorites. Um, all of those, all of those guys from the past. Uh, my probably all-time favorite fighter, though, is Andy Sauer. Really? Yeah, probably. One, I mean, as far as kickboxing, kickboxing goes, definitely one of my favorite fighters. Uh, so I went out in 2014 when I was still an amateur on the I was on the U.S. team for the WKA team, and uh, we went and competed. And afterwards. Uh, because I used to train with Dwayne Ludwig also a little bit, and uh, I was like, "Hey, Dwayne, like, do you think I could go train with Andy for like a couple weeks?" And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll set it up." And he actually did set it up. And then, like, here I am after I I, I fought in the WKAs. Uh, like a couple days later, like staying at Andy's neighbor's house, getting picked up by him at the at the uh, at the little train station or wh- however I got there, and I was like, "This guy really picked me up." From the train station, you know, like I was twenty, twenty-two years old, and I was like, "Damn, this guy is awesome," you know. And he was like my favorite fighter of all time. That was like one of my favorite moments in my whole life. Is like seeing him pick me up in this like ugly ass van. <laughs>
0: I was like, "This guy is this really happening?" You know, <sighs> that's pretty dope. Yeah, it was dope. I wish kickboxing was more popular today. I really do. I do.
3: I do too. It was kind huge. K1 days.
0: Yeah, in Japan.
3: Yeah, I was a little bit too uh, young, but I'm sure you really, really appreciated that. Oh, yeah, huh? yeah. Oh yeah, man, for sure. I can only imagine.
0: Yeah, it's uh, to me, it's a bummer that Glory never really caught on. I mean, I still watch the events, but you know, you gotta buy it through some fucking janky app. You know, it's it's weird. Like last time, it barely worked. You had to do it online, and it was an uh, it, was, it was annoying. Yeah, it's like I want it to be on pay per view, like regular TV, like you know, like the UFC is. Like why. White- I, I hate understand. all those apps, bro. Oh.
3: They got <laughs> we got to do some of it. Consolidate the apps, man. Consolidate at least them. the fighting ones.
0: This was on fight F I T E. Yeah, I know that yeah. one. Yeah, I know that one. There should be more of a demand for high level Muay Thai and high level kickboxing. Like I don't get it. It's so exciting. One does a okay job. Yeah, they one do puts a good on job. some badass fights. Yeah, they uh, do.
3: I don't know how well they're paying their guys, but they put on some badass. They pay
0: them well. On yeah, They got, uh, Nikki Holskin is, uh, gonna fight John Wayne Parr. Oh, sick. After John Wayne Parr got a fake hip. Seriously? Yeah, he got his hip replaced. Like? He's got his hip resurfaced. They, they completely resurfaced his hip, and now he's throwing kicks again and everything. Damn. Like, you can get your hip replaced now and fight. Damn. I know. That's that crazy. Nuts? Yeah. yeah, the cap of his hip was so worn out. He sent me, like, the medical list of all the shit that was wrong with his hip. And you're like, oh my god! It was like torn labrum, torn this, torn that, arthritis, cartilage damage. Like everything's all fucked up in there. It was that's just, crazy. Just from year, you know, John is heavy with the leg, left leg. Throws a lot of left leg kicks. He just wore his shit out. It was just completely torn apart. Is he the guy that took the picture on Instagram of like all, the all, the all car- of the, yeah, all good, the, all the cuts on, on his face. face? Yeah, exactly. Lead cards announced for. All one on TNT event. So it's on, on TNT? Yeah.
2: Starting in April, they're going to have four cards that says uh, really? kickboxing on Is TNT. that
0: kickboxing? Kickboxing? I mean, maybe it's
2: all of it, I guess. I typed in kickboxing and I got it on no, the whole. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, they are doing some kickboxing with small gloves, and that's the, the fight with Nikki Holtzkin. What do you think of that? You like that? Why not? I like it. Why not? I, yeah. I,
3: at first, I was like, this is weird, but I mean, why not? If they're not poking each other in the
0: eyes every 10 seconds, then why not? So, what is this? Flyweight World Championship, Marais versus Johnson. How, how do they both have belts? I don't watch one enough to know Yeah. what's going on. I know Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse is still the fucking man. Out of all the people that have ever watched Seriously. fight, he's one of the best examples of martial arts excellence that i've he, ever seen he's the
3: goat in my opinion for me technically for yeah. Me. yeah yeah
0: and, to, and you know even just achievements wise like what he what was able to do when he was at the top of his game
3: and just how he's winning too yeah he's oh just my god. crushing people when he wins
0: yeah who the fuck did he slam and go uh for the armbar? yeah who is it i don't know um god damn it it's, it's crossing my I, I see him i see his face he picked him up, slammed him, and threw him right into an armbar. I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ! At that point, he was just showing off, and he told me he does that all the time in training. Ray Borg, that's right. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, my God. Imagine having that level of confidence. We're <laughs> just
3: like, I'm gonna do this shit in this yeah. fight against like some of the best guys in the world.
0: In the the, the, the fight, it's like, yeah, Cerruto beat him, but he didn't. Beat him enough for like, you can't, like, why are you leaving? I thought Come so back.
3: too. I thought so too.
0: Yeah. I mean, he just, I guess he got a really great offer at 1FC, and the UFC said, go ahead. Yeah. You know, I think the UFC is in this weird position with the flyweight where they're not 100% on board. And Davison and Figueredo is a great champion right now, so they're excited about that. And he was supposed to fight Cody. Cody says he can make 125, so it's not a problem. I believe it. I think so too. I thought on the same card as Cody. Uh, he
3: he looks like he doesn't, you know, deplete himself too much.
0: No, I don't think he does. Yeah, yeah. and he said it's not going to be much of a problem. That's that's exciting. If yeah. Cody can get down there and fight Figueroa, that's a big fight. But they're doing the Brandon Moreno rematch with uh, Davis and Figueroa, so Cody's going to stay at 35 for now. Yeah. So, can man, that that's something that the flyweight division needs, though, right? They needed like when TJ went down. I don't think TJ really could make that. I mean, he made the weight, but he really almost killed himself. I
3: fought on the same card, and he his face did not look like a face that should be fighting the next no. day.
0: He looked yeah. like a guy who just got out of a fucking concentration camp. Yeah. He looked terrible. He looked like a guy who like was starving in the woods, and they found him. Like, they rescued him. <laughs> yeah.
3: You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like a little leathery. Well, it just yeah. looks
0: like his everything was just yeah. sunken in. There was yeah. nothing left of him. It's just a, a terrible thing to do to your body, and then 24 hours later, you rehydrate and have a cage fight. And it, for him, it was such a depletion that it wasn't even just dehydrating. Like, he said he went into anemia. He was anemic, because, and that's one of the reasons why he took EPO. Mm. Maybe that's an excuse. But, you know, I mean, he said he couldn't get out of bed, and meanwhile, he's supposed to be training for the biggest fight of his life. And if you can't get out of bed, you probably shouldn't be fighting in that weight class. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> exactly especially against a beast like sajudo yeah sajudo's a savage he's a
3: savage bro he really is he's he's one of those guys and that's why i asked you earlier about like do you try to read people's demeanors when they walk into the cage he's one guy that i walk into the cage and i'm like this guy's done this a million times oh yeah yeah he's done it a million times through his olympic you know uh career and just fighting in general i was like yeah, this guy's
0: been there. And he's another guy, too, where a loss turned him into who he is. Like, that loss to Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse stopped him. You know, that he realized, like, okay, I, I just got to the top of the mountain. This dude really is the fucking man. Like, I, I have another level to achieve. I Now I have to get better.
3: You need them sometimes, man. They hurt, yeah. but you need you need them sometimes.
0: It's, it is really interesting that the, the mind, like, there's no there's no clear you, you can't just go well this is the work that you have to do this is the mindset that you have to put no it's like a constant wrestling match with your consciousness constant wrestling wrestling match with the, the seeking comfort and avoiding injury and avoid the, the, the do i want to be tired oh i don't want to push myself it's this constant battle of you trying to get control of your emotions and your mind and your body
3: yeah it's uh It's nonstop, man. Especially when you're losing... Bro, like, I I swear for 10 weeks, or I guess so I do 10-week camps, for nine weeks... Every single day I'm sore and every single day I'm like, today is probably going to suck a little bit, you know, for nine weeks. And then that last week I tried to taper and even then I'm like losing weight and having a sweat and stuff. So it's, it's even shitty then. And then I wake up on the fight and I'm like, okay, I finally feel like an athlete, you know?
0: What do you weigh right now?
3: I'm probably, I'm a little bit bigger right now, so I'm probably a little under 160. Whoa. Yeah. Like 58. I I would guess that I'm probably 58. I don't check when I'm out of camp. But in camp, I'm probably, you know, training good and like eating still what I want. I'm probably about 53.
0: And so how hard is that cut?
3: I try to get to 148 uh, a week before and then I just lose the last 13. So really I'm going from 53 of like being in good shape and eating okay, losing five pounds and then cutting that last 13 that week
0: and are you depleting are you doing that water load thing where you drink a lot of water
3: uh yeah so i'll do um i do the trifecta meals uh the ufc sends out trifecta meals to me for that camp and then uh and then yeah so nine days away so i guess the golden rule now and who knows is probably different for everyone but you're supposed to do a pound of water for every pound that you have to lose when you're 10 days away so if I'm 14 pounds heavy, then I have to lose each gallon, I think, is 8 pounds. So I'm I'm drinking about a little bit over a gallon and a half because that would be about 14 pounds 10 days away uh, in water. That way I, 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 I can flush through. All of that water is going in me, so I have it to lose. Oh. Uh, is it? Do you have a weight-cutting coach? So I used to work with this woman named Lely. Um And, uh, she's the one that got me on that. When I worked with her, they were, that was like, those were the smoothest, easiest cuts that I've ever had. Now I'm using trifecta. Um, but I'm still doing a lot of the things that Laylee taught me in those years.
0: And so trifecta, do they give you the meals based on your weight class, the calorie output, where you're at in your training? Like, how do you know? No, it it,
3: it takes some tapering, um, or, or, or tampering, um, like I have to do uh sometimes I, I can eat a little bit more and sometimes I can't some mm. weeks and I just you know, I just cut the portion, I give it to the dogs if if <laughs> I'm uh if I'm a little bit heavier and I and just I need to just based to do on that. the scale? Just based on the scale, yep. And and I'm pretty good at like going to bed and being like, I'll probably weigh this tomorrow just depending on like how hungry or how hard I've worked out that day. So I I've got it down pretty good. You know, honestly, I think that the reload is the most important part. Uh, or maybe not most important part, because i don 't cut a uh, incredible amount of weight it 's not like i 'm doing twenty in a in a week or whatever, but I think it 's really underrated how you put the weight back on and and what you 're putting in your body and the u f c does a really good job of like giving us all of our shakes and stuff after after uh the weight cut so that we 're actually feeling good when we walk into the cage
0: that is very nice that the u f c provides yeah that. so yeah. like what is your process like so you 're weigh in you're you're good
3: you weigh in, they give you, uh, they give you three drinks, uh, two in, two in shaker bottles, one in like a two liter, uh, thing. Uh, and they're, they're a bunch of, it's like a bunch of sugar, uh, which is, uh, uh, I'm forgetting the name of, of the sugar supplement, but it's pretty much just like a, a sugar that gets absorbed by your muscles a lot quicker. Has that, it has obviously some electrolytes, some aminos, and then, uh, some other stuff that I'm not sure about. They give you a list, but I'm, I'm blanking on it now. So is that in shake one, shake two is something a little bit different. And then they give you that bottle of, uh, water with pretty much similar things. So it's, uh, it's a lot of amino acids, obviously a lot of electrolytes and a, and a lot of sugar because your muscles are full of sugar. You don't want to just, you know, it's not about pounding a bunch of water. It's about pounding a bunch of water. That's going to go back into your muscles of what your muscles need.
0: And they provide this to all the athletes. Yep. Wow. Yep that's amazing yeah
3: it's cool too uh it's really good you know like it's it's like uh I feel good going into the fights and like uh the guy Charles that works there is just like a really knowledgeable and easy guy to work with and he'll you know like he really tells you exactly what to do and like it's easy when the you know a scientist is telling you exactly what to do because (laughs) before it's like should I eat pizza or instead of like drink this gallon of water? And it's like, I'm definitely choosing the pizza. <laughs> right, you know? right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the
0: UFC's Performance Institute, what they've done by setting that place up is pretty extraordinary. Like to have a place where fighters can choose to go down there and do their camps, you have like world class uh, coaches and uh, people that understand strength and conditioning and recovery and all these different ways to keep your body fit and healthy for a fight and then also to analyze where your weight cuts at where your body fat's at how what's your vo2 max like all the the, uh, having a one a one-stop shop with a big giant state-of-the-art facility like they developed is really fucking incredible
3: yeah all of that stuff all of that stuff with like um what else i mean the rings and the bands and stuff that measure your heart rate and Mm -hmm. stuff man it's just i think it's just gonna make athletes get This much better, man. Like talking about the evolution of the sport. Like especially in the sport of fighting. I don't think that we've seen too much like actual scientific stuff because there's probably just not as much money as like the NFL and the NBA and athletics and other areas. And the and the players of those sports have a lot more money to spend on those types of things. But I think that we're gonna start to see money get dumped into the sport of MMA and then we're gonna really start understanding the science of like cutting weight. And, and how to put muscle on and, and what type of muscle to put on and, and, and all of that jazz.
0: Now, did you ever rehydrate with IVs before they had an IV band?
3: I did once and it didn't really, it was like when I was an amateur too. Uh, I, don't, I It It was okay.
0: Do you think that rehydrating orally is just as good or better?
3: Uh, I mean, I've only done the IV once, so I guess I can only speak to that one experience. But I mean, I, I don't ever feel like I'm dehydrated when I walk into the cage, you know. Like, I'm usually walking in at, like, now 51 or 52, where before it was, like, 47, 48, just because I I wasn't doing all of the posture stuff and, you know, getting certain things strong. But now I'm walking in at, like, yeah, 51, 52.
0: What would you think about a fight with no weight cuts? I'm okay with it, yeah. Do you think that we're ever going to get to a point where people stop doing that, where they can figure out a way to stop fighters from cutting weight?
3: I think when the sport gets mainstream enough, I think it's going to, because I think that there's going to be a lot of... uh, Eventually, man, as much as I hate to say it, like, some guys... I mean, it's already happened, but some guys... You know, they have to pull out of fights because they're cutting weight and fainting yeah. and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. You know, eventually, if the sport is going to be, you know, on the level of the NFL and all of that, I think it's going to be where they have to kind of take that out or else it's going to be too brutal for, like, the
0: common audience to watch. Didn't it just happen with Bobby Green? Didn't he just pull out of a fight because of a weight cut? I think he blacked out the weight cut. mm I'm pretty sure. Is that why the Munoz
3: and uh, Rivera fight got canceled the first time? Because that time that they fought last wasn't their first time scheduled. No. I think it was before. Well, they
0: fought once before. They fought in, like, 2016 or something. Yeah,
3: I think that they were scheduled, though, a couple of weeks before this last fight that they had. And I think it was a, maybe, you know, I'm not sure, but I think it was maybe a scenario. But, yeah, man, that stuff happens. You know, like, you can't be passing out, cutting yeah. weight. That's too brutal for people if, if – if, If we want, like, the mass population watching, I think that that's probably a little too brutal.
0: It seems like something, to me, it seems like almost it's one thing that they've been doing this way for so long that they just keep doing it. Whereas, like, if they came along today and there was a blank slate and they said, all right, do you think it's a good idea if the fighters just dehydrate the fuck out of themselves 24 hours before they fight? You'd be like... (laughs) that's dumb why would i do that why would they do that that's terrible they're about to fight they want they're, they're working to get their body in optimum condition it's one of the worst things you could do to, you, to yourself is dehydrate yourself your body's like what 60 something percent water why the fuck would you do that yeah like, that's a dumb idea oh it's just spitballing yeah just, throwing just some ideas around yeah it's just like, the
3: way that we do things
0: yeah people they'll go what are you saying shut yeah. up
3: imagine the world if we did that with everything um and when people miss weight, that sucks, man. Sucks. There's like a lot of statistics, too, on like, you know, the, the person that misses weight is oftentimes the winner of that fight. Oftentimes. You know? Yeah. And uh, I, to be honest, think that they should take a point from people that, that uh, miss weight.
0: That's not a bad idea, but it's almost like you should not let them fight.
3: Or not let them fight at all. Yeah. I yeah. think,
0: you know, it's one thing it's an undercard fight, but like for a championship fight, I almost think you should send them home. Yeah, which is crazy to say. I know it's stupid like, but look at like Luke Rockhold and Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero and Luke Rockhold are fighting for the title, right? Luke Rockhold makes way, Yoel doesn't. Yoel knocks out Luke Rockhold, doesn't win the title. I'd be pissed if I'm Luke.
3: <laughs> Bro, super pissed. This
0: has happened before. It's not it's, it's not the only time that's happened. That happened with Davis and Figueiredo and Benavidez the first time they fought. Yeah. Figueredo uh, doesn't make the weight. KO's Benavidez doesn't win the title.
3: Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. It'd be hard to get rid of, though. It'd be think, really hard to get rid of.
0: I think there's a way. I mean, they do hydration tests with high school wrestling and college wrestling. They It can be done. It's just, it would have to be, first of all, you'd have to give people way more options in terms of weight classes. And I think that's something we were speaking about earlier. I really think you have to have at least every 10 pounds, and you might be right every 5 pounds. But there's this idea that that would somehow another water down the sport. Like, is that true? I don't think that's true. You know, look at, like, Canelo Alvarez. Look how he keeps going up in weight and beating these guys and winning titles all the way up to light heavyweight. Knocks out Kovalev at light heavyweight and comes back down, fights at 68. You know, he fought, I believe he was like 52 when he fought Mayweather. And he fights all sorts of different weight classes.
3: Yeah, I will say I think that uh, there is like this huge emphasis on like, you know, having to fight in one weight class and to be the biggest guy in the weight class. I don't think that that's super important. Like I fought 145 for most of, you know, my professional career. But when I got into the UFC, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll lose the weight for that amount of money. You know, I, I won't lose it for like a couple grand and, uh, you know, whatever promotion I was fighting in before, but it's like. I don't think it's too huge of a thing, you know, Uh, and I think that, you know, we're starting to see that now where it's like, no, like you can jump up a weight
0: class and still do really well because it's not a huge, a huge deal. But we're going to find out this weekend because if Adesanya really does weigh at 193, and let me tell you something, man, if he could stop Bohovich at light heavyweight and become champ champ and he doesn't even gain weight, Jesus, Luizus. Yeah. And if anybody could do it, he might be the Fucking man.
3: Yeah, he's crazy enough. You know? he's, <laughs> he's crazy enough. to He's do so it. good, man. Yeah, he's so good. He's
0: so good. That Paulo Costa fight, what an eye opener that was. Yeah. He said what he was gonna do and then he did it, you know? He's like, I'm gonna make this guy look stupid. Did you see the thing where
3: uh Paulo Costa and I might be wrong, I don't really want this would be kind where of bad he said he to got get drunk. wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That that's was what true. He said. Yeah, it's true. So he drank a whole bottle of wine. So he even even took a picture with the wine, like he had a built-in excuse. (laughs) Who could me with wine? Yeah, it's uh, it's so ridiculous. That's ridiculous. He said he had leg cramps, he couldn't sleep, and he had a glass of wine, and that didn't do it. So he drank another glass, that didn't do it, and he drank the whole bottle. So he said when he fought, he was probably drunk. Look, he's come up with so many excuses for that fight, it's crazy. It's crazy. Because, you know, you have one idea of who Paulo Costa is, his whole career, just smashing people. Walks down Yoel Romero. Who the fuck walks down Yoel Romero and beats his ass like that? Nobody. The way he did it and beat all these guys coming up from Johnny Hendricks was fat, and you know he's really 170, and he sh- had no business being at 185 in the first place. But the fact that Paulo Costa just smashed him that way and just was smashing everybody, and you thought like, man, this guy's a real threat. This is this is a big challenge for Adesanya. Nope. Yeah. No, no, he just shut him down Shut him down Like, he just completely outclassed him Yeah,
3: that was one of those that where I was like Oh, I wasn't expecting that to happen Yeah like yeah.
0: I thought it was going to be a good fight Yeah, I did I too I thought it was going to be a good fight I did too I thought Costa's really durable He's really tough He's going to, you know, it's going to be a, a blood and guts battle But then, you know, when I saw him enter into the octagon With those cupping marks all over his calves I was like, that's not good like, What's <laughs> happening there? You know? Do you do
3: that cup and stuff? No. No. Do it's, you? No. Not to the point where it's bruising like that.
0: I I mean, a lot of people do it. Yeah, I I've never know. tried it. Some people swear by it, too, and I'm like, I don't know, giving yourself bruises. I don't know, <sighs> I don't know man. People swear by a lot of wacky shit. Yeah. People swear by chiropractors. Mm. They swear by a lot of wacky shit. Do you, do you get any of that massage stuff? Or yeah, a, massage. Is that The Rock? Stuff? Look at it. Oh, my goodness. It's first time doing it. First time? Yeah. Yeah, that guy's got to be sore all the time boy they've they fucked his back up do you ever get what he thinks?
3: Hmm. do you ever get muscle activation done have you tried that no. MAT? no that's pretty good stuff what is that How so it's do do like that. uh so it's like the idea is, so i go to a place called rock solid physical therapy and it's this place where uh muscle activation is like the type of therapy that it is but the idea is is it's like okay if my if my shoulder is sore it's because something in there isn't firing And there's something in there. I don't need to massage the shit out of the one spot that's hurt. I need to wake up the other things that are having to compensate for the... Or this spot is compensating for the other spots. So when I go in, it's like, all right, my shoulder's sore. They'll, like, work on my back. They'll work on my chest because those areas aren't waking up and aren't firing. Mm. And then this is what's having to really overcompensate, and that's why it's really sore. And, like, that's been, like, a... I've been going to them for about six years and getting that done about every single week. And t- that, I think, is the reason that I don't really ever get hurt. Like, yeah. I, I don't really, you know, I, I can't think of, like, a really big injury that I've gotten that hasn't been, like, a broken bone or something in, like, a really long time.
0: That's interesting.
3: Yeah, it's cool. Hmm. It's a good idea, too. I mean, it makes total sense. It's like, if this hurts, it's because it's overcompensating. So it's something else that needs to be, you know, the body is like a whole system. It's a it's a whole wiring. And the the whole thing needs to be taken care of, not just the one spot that hurts.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of times injuries where people are like a lot of times you have uh, back pain and you really don't realize that it's because your hamstrings are tight. Yeah. And that it's pulling your, your whole, th- your, your thing is all kind of crunched up. And if you can stretch your hamstrings out, it actually alleviates some tension in your back. And you're like, oh, wow, that's weird.
3: Every time I've hurt my knees, uh, it's been because my glutes and my hips are really tight. Which mm-hmm. makes total sense because if my if my knee or if my hips can't do the circles that they're meant to be mm-hmm. like this joint is going to have to you know if it only has this much motion, this thing has to compensate for it some way i think I think so much of the time when guys get hurt, it's just because they're they're sore in one area or one area isn't firing and they need to compensate in some area, and they do that for x amount of time and then that area ends up getting injured because it's
0: just tired from compensating makes sense there's probably something to it. At least um, when you have a big fight, so say if uh, this fight happens this weekend, Jan wins or Sterling wins and they say, okay, you're next. How much t- you need t- you like 10 weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do do you have someone who schedules everything? Do you d- do some of it based on your own intuition? Like in terms of like how much strength and conditioning work, how much sparring, when do you hit mitts? When do you spar? When do you roll? How do you do that? Yeah.
3: So here's the nice thing about, I think, uh, where I'm in a really un- unique position where uh, I don't think maybe a lot of fighters are is that I've been with the same, pretty much the same set of coaches for 12 years now. You know, so. Uh, I can have an open conversation about things and not have to feel like I'm being a bitch or I'm being, you know, uh, whiny or whatever, you know, where I don't think a lot of people like if I'm someone's new coach and they're complaining all the time about being tired and needing to rest on this day or whatever day, uh, I'm probably going to think that that person's just being whiny. But like with, with my set of coaches, because we've been around for so long and, uh, and you know, a lot of them I would consider like my best friends, um, I can kind of have that open, you know, that open dialogue of like, Hey man, like I think that we need to pick it up on this day and we need to do less on this day. And they're like, yeah, okay. We trust you to be able to do that. And like I said, man, I'm like a really self-sufficient guy. Like I don't, I don't blame anyone and I don't expect anyone to be the cause of my success or my failure. Um, so I take a honestly I take a lot of that into my own way. And I think that working with Christian Allen has kinda helped me with that a lot too, because Christian Allen, uh, he never really told me exactly what to do. He kinda let me find my own way, which I know a lot of people don't like. Uh and at times, you know, I didn't really like if I'm being completely honest. But uh it also did help me become really, really self sufficient and uh and so a lot of me putting together my camp is me putting it together. But kind of to answer your question a little bit more is it's like when I'm setting up my practices for each day, I don't ever miss any of those practices. Even if I'm dead tired, I'll still go in. I'll just do less. Maybe I'll drill or I'll do something different, but I'm not going to miss that day of practice or I'm not. And and if I have to, you know, because I'm, I I need to, I'm just rescheduling it for, for a different day. So I do set my own schedule, but every practice gets made because I think that that makes the mind strong. Uh, but if I am a little bit tired or if it's a weird week or whatever, I'm stressed out or whatever is happening in my life and I need to go a little bit slower on a day, like, I I will do that.
0: When you say, like, if you're tired, do do you monitor your heart rate? Do you wear a whoop strap? I I used to until it kept telling me the same thing over and over again. What was it telling you? It was
3: telling me that I wake up a lot during the night and that I get, like, moderate sleep. And it was that every single night uh, with the exception of, like, a few things you know uh but you know what i did learn from those things is just how incredibly important sleep is mm. like i didn't i never valued sleep as like the thing that's gonna make me you know feel i mean this sounds stupid when i'm saying it but feel rested and actually recovered the next day i thought it was like oh i need to foam roll more oh i need to do massage more oh i should go lighter or whatever and it's like dude if i can clock like nine to an eleven hours of sleep then like i'm good i'm in the green regar- yeah regardless yeah. of how hard i worked out the day before i'm good after that amount of sleep
0: mm. yeah that's interesting dustin said he stopped wearing a whoop strap for the same reason yeah. he said because he'd wake up and say oh you need more sleep I was like well this shit gotta get done <laughs> yeah. so i don't know what the fuck you telling me it's like you know you're not fully recovered well i don't give a fuck i gotta go to work
3: yeah there's also days like that too where it's like you'll be in a red and it's like so, what? So, what? Time to go to work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Sometimes I feel great and I'll check it. It's in the yellow. I was like, what? Come on. Yellow?
3: Do I feel you, good. Do you notice that when you're doing the actual workout, though, that you are actually are in like a yellow?
0: <sighs> it depends on how much coffee I drink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's another <laughs>
3: thing is that there's so many yeah. other factors to everything, yeah. too, where it's like, yeah, maybe I had a good workout because I was in the green, but also maybe I had a good workout because I didn't do that much the day before. I did have right. a lot of coffee
0: or whatever. Like, yeah, I, I got know, fired man. up. It's it's interesting. You know, there's so many variables with the human body, you know, whether or not you're getting massages, whether or not you're doing ice baths, whether or not you're doing sauna. There's so many different things that can help you recover and help your body bounce back. It's it's, it's a lot of it's a lot you can do. You know, yeah, there's a lot you can do to keep your body healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you uh, say that you kind of set your own schedule, do you set your own schedule in terms of strength and conditioning as well? Like, give me a, a typical week. Like, when you're, you're starting your camp, how many days a week will you do strength and conditioning? How many days a week will you do kickboxing? Do you do MMA sparring a lot? Or do you do, do you separate jujitsu sparring from kickboxing sparring? Yep.
3: Yep. So uh, every day, Monday through Friday, there's a team practice at one o'clock. So we do that. So uh, Monday is wrestling, Tuesday is sparring, Wednesday is drilling with, with wrestling or, or wrestling drilling, Thursday is uh, MMA, and then um, Friday is sparring again. Um, and then Saturday, I kind of depend on how the week goes. I'll either drill for a couple hours or I'll train hard for a couple hours. So it's one o'clock every, every day, no pretty what. much, no matter what. Um, and then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we do strength and conditioning in the morning. Uh, at a place, uh, same place, Gaichi goes Lando performance. I'll do that with Aaron, uh, who's really been taking good care of me. He's the guy that was like, "Hey man, like we should, we should put on a couple more pounds of muscle. I think it's going to make you feel a little bit better." And I was like, "Okay, we will." And it actually did make my cardio and conditioning go go way way up. I'll do that with Aaron, Nate, and Wrigley, and with the team usually uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then at night I'll I'll go in on. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'll go on a run. Uh, so it's at night for those other days. And then Thursday morning, uh, I'll do a mid-session. So to, I guess that was kind of a lot of information. but uh,
0: So when you say at night, so you're doing the team practice at 1 p.m., mm-hmm. and then what time you come back in, like 6 uh, or 7? So, so I
3: teach the kids program at 5 o'clock. Uh, and then yeah, I'll go in and I'll train at six. And like I said, depending on how the day went Uh, that's a class that I run myself. So it's like, okay How's everyone feeling if everyone looks like, you know, they just woke up from a nap It's like, all right, we're drilling today. And then if it's like everyone's been yeah, okay Yeah, let's train then like we'll train a little bit harder on those days
0: So in terms of like weightlifting, do you try to take uh, the strength and conditioning sessions and not have them on a day? We spar
3: yeah, um Monday is our, like, heavy lifting day uh, because I think Monday, like, you're the most rested. I think your body's more capable of, obviously, lifting more weights the, the more rested you are. Wednesday, uh, Wednesday is more of a metabolic day, so, like, a conditioning day. And I only do those, really, in the last three or four weeks of camp because uh, Aaron kind of puts me through more of a strength-building stuff because that's, that's more important for my body type. And then Friday is just recovery. So Friday, when we spar on the same day, it's just like a it's a 45-minute session. We just get our blood moving. We, we get everything loose so that we can spar well on Friday.
0: And do you take two days off on the weekend? Do you take Saturday and Sunday No, off? I
3: only take Sunday off.
0: What do you do on Saturday?
3: Saturday is uh, 9 o'clock. I will just I have like a small, small guy group, um, again, a class that I'll run. I'll look at everyone like, hey, how's everyone feeling? If sparring wasn't very hard on Friday, then Saturday we'll train a little bit harder. Uh, I'll do that Friday. Or, or I'm sorry, Saturday, uh, and then I'll have Christian come in and hold mitts for me on Saturday, and he usually does that Thursday morning for me as well.
0: So do you do two a day every day, or Saturday yeah, it's, one?
3: Yes it's uh, Saturday is uh, two. If I have some weight to lose, I'll also run on Saturday also, but uh, Monday and Tuesday, I think, are the only two days, and then everything else is three. Mm. Um, but like I said, man, I just drill a lot. Like, this is such a technical sport, man. Like, I used to like running more. I used to like lifting more. But uh, I find that, like, I'm just doing better when I'm focusing on the technical aspects of the sport and not as much about, like, the am I going on a run just to go on a run or am I going on a run because it's actually helping? And can I actually get this help in a different area? Because I used to really enjoy doing trail runs. And, like, I had to kind of cut those because I just wasn't able to train as hard, uh and like learn as much and drill as much. So I had to cut the run because I think it's more important that I'm actually learning and getting better and, and drilling.
0: Just from being tired from the trail run? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, because yep, those things will zap you.
0: Yeah. Yep. So what about um, other recovery modalities? Are you using ice baths? Are you doing the sauna?
3: Yeah, so I do the sauna twice a week also. Uh, because actually the UFC also recommended this to me also is, um, so I guess you can you can train your body to get used to heat And it can get used to uh, how much you're flushing out, as long as, obviously, like, you're putting it back in you. Uh, So I'll do a sauna session two days a week, and then I'll do... um,
0: What temp do you go in?
3: It's not that hot, bro. It's kind of a piece of shit sauna that I bought for myself. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, like, three or four hundred bucks. And it's, like, it's not one that, like, has your head sticking out. It's a little bit bigger than that, so I can actually sit in the whole thing, but... It don't get that hot. Like it probably gets to like 130, but it's that's a, it? It, yeah, but it's one of those infrared ones. Oh, that's yeah, different. Yeah. 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 So I guess it pulls it from deeper inside your bones or whatever. I don't know um, about all that. You I don't, never... I don't like the infrared ones yeah. to be honest. I like the steam ones the most. Steam. Why? Yeah. Uh, I like what it does to my skin. <laughs> no, I don't really know. I don't know. It just feels a little bit better. Those dry ones, bro. I feel like I'm just cooking like and breathing in people's like feet. Oh. Humidity. Yeah, but know? for
0: yourself, like, you should get a dry sauna for your house if you can. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in the dry sauna. And there's there's so many benefits to it just outside of even getting your body accustomed to the heat for a sauna for cutting weight. Just just it reduces inflammation to such a high degree. Produces heat shock proteins. And it also, there was a study they did in Norway where people who did the sauna four days a week um, for, I believe it was 20 minutes... At 170 degrees, I think is what they the protocol they used, and they experienced a 40 percent decrease in all cause mortality. That means 40 percent decrease in heart attack, stroke, cancer, everything, Mm -hmm. just with
3: regular sauna use. Wait, did they say is it from detoxing your body that much, or is it from from the heat shock proteins? Oh, okay.
0: The heat shock proteins, what it's it's doing is it creates this radical anti-inflammatory response for the body. Because your body's freaking out. Your body doesn't want to be in 170 degrees... It's like, what is this shit? Mm-hmm. And so, because of that, and you're sweating it out and struggling, your your body produces these cytokines, and it, it has an amazing effect just on health and wellness. I fucking love it, man. I do it every day. Yeah, I, I have one in my house, and it was one of the first things I did when I when I moved to Austin is get one. And it took a couple months to get it and get it brought in and installed and everything like that. And I was sweating it because I was like, God, I missed the sauna because I had one in my house in California, and it, it's. It's a game changer, man. It's a game. Dan Gable's a huge believer in it as well. And I, I read him talking about the sauna, and he thinks that it's, it's a secret weapon that the Russians and a lot of other athletes in other countries use on a regular basis. And he wishes that American wrestlers adopted it. Mm. So yeah. you do
3: 170 uh, I do for 185. Minutes. Oh, okay.
0: I do 185 for 25 minutes, but I built up to it. Yeah. And I do it for so, I've been doing it for years, and I never get sick. I mean, wow. I fucking never get sick. Wow. Yeah. Huh, I think it's phenomenal for your immune system. How many how many days a week would you recommend to do it? Um, I do it every day. I, really? I mean, I'll take a day off every now and again, but uh, if I do, it I definitely do it at least five days a week. Mm. Every, yeah, every week. Um, if I'm home, I'm doing it five days a week. And and what least. your body
3: just gets used to bringing yeah. the water back in.
0: And I I listen to books on tape. It's my favorite mm. way to do it. I just uh, so I'm in there for 25 minutes. AirPods will survive. Mm. Your phone won't. So yeah. don't try to bring your phone in there. My phone always dies. But the AirPods don't die. They, they're they pretty fucking tough. It's probably a long 25 minutes, huh? The last five can suck a dick, bro. Yeah. The last How five quick minutes ruthless. Oh, right away. Cause, really? Yeah, when I get in there, the first thing I do is I scoop water and throw it on the rocks. And so it's not just... 185 degrees 185 degrees with high humidity so it's it's pretty rough yeah so right away i'm i'm glistening and then within you know the first 10 minutes are not that bad you know and then the next 10 minutes are getting rough and the last five minutes can really fucking suck it's crazy how
3: quick it starts to suck it sucks but
0: it's good it's like i need some suck You know I don't get enough suck We all do man Everybody does We all do That struggle of sitting there And I do a lot of Deep breathing exercises too I do like box breathing I do like Five seconds in Hold five seconds Five seconds out Or sometimes I'll do Longer deep breaths And longer slow breaths out and but uh, that's good too because you can get into kind of a trance when you do that. And sometimes when I do that, I don't even realize how much time has passed because I'm just focusing on the breathing, just focusing on the breathing. The the time moves
3: fast when you just focus on the breathing. Yeah. We we used to do uh, we used to do plank competitions. Me and ah. a bunch of yeah me and a bunch of the guys on the basketball team that I used to play with. And uh, I would just sit there and I would just breathe. And then next thing I would know, everyone's done. And it'd be like <laughs> three, four minutes later, and I'm just sitting there breathing. But
0: You see that fucking Marine dude? There's a, there's a, I think he's a Marine who uh, he won the world's plank competition. It was some preposterous amount of time this motherfucker was planking for. Like four days or something? I don't remember. It was probably days. Eight plus hour plank. Uh, there it is. At 62, Marine veteran sets a Guinness World Record. 62 years old, man. That that's a fucking old dude to be do- planking like that. That guy's a savage. That's all in your mind right there. Yeah. That's ju- that's your fucking mind. I mean, that is just your mind. I mean, he obviously is fit. He's obviously in very good shape for his age, but to be able to do that for 8 fucking hours, especially while people are staring at you, that's boring as fuck.
2: Did <laughs> 75 push-ups when he was done. Oh, Jesus.
0: This guy's an animal. Yeah, I love it. I love seeing old animals like that. Like, yes, keep yeah. going. Keep fucking go. That'll be Cam Haynes. He'll be doing that when he's 80. I think that um, having something like that as a regular basis just gets your body accustomed to, to just doing something that you don't want to do that sucks. Because there's too many people that go through their life doing easy stuff all the time. All the time. And you're just soft. You're like yeah. a marshmallow.
3: I used to, uh, so my one thing is I would wake up every Saturday morning and I would go do a trail run uh, by by Red Rocks in Colorado. And I didn't care if it was snowing. I didn't care if it was however, you know. And, and I'm, I'm more upset that I had to get rid of it because it started to suck, but then it became, like, something that was like, oh, this is something that I really enjoy doing over and over and over again. Mm. And it's like, yeah, even if it does suck uh, afterwards, it just feels good. I feel like you don't have to do a lot of things where, like, afterwards you feel reward like super yeah. rewarded like you know? did it you like made it super yeah, yeah like super rewarded
0: yeah that moment where you just want to fucking quit where your brain and then you got to shut the fuck up pussy shut up you gotta like have these little battles in your mind there's so many people that go through life they just don't have that at all so that the moment adversity rears its ugly head you're you don't reckon you don't un- understand what to do with it you don't know what it is like how do i handle this
3: yeah i think a lot of people man i think They've bought into the idea of happiness is the goal every single day. Comfort. Comfort. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess that that's maybe a better word.
0: Fat shaming. Don't <laughs> fat shame me. Yeah, stuff it's like that. St- yeah, stuff yeah. like that where it's yeah. like,
3: man, like being happy isn't my goal every day, you know? Like uh, maybe maybe one day it will be the goal every day, but for now it's, it's like how much can I make today suck so that I can have that one little reward at the yeah. end of like a training camp, you know?
0: And, it, and it's a big-ass reward and it feels good. Yeah, well, for you, it's the ultimate because you're literally you're, – you're doing something, first of all, where you're putting your health in jeopardy. You're doing one of the most dangerous sports that a person can compete in. And you're you're putting everything on the line. You're putting your health on the line. You're putting your ego on the line. You're putting your future on the line. You're thinking about so many different things. You you know if you get KO'd or something like that, you're paying for it with your mind. You're paying for it with your brain cells. You're paying for it. You get kicked in the liver. You're paying for it with your internal organs are getting damaged. You know it's it's a crazy way to live your life the reward like when you knocked out frankie like when you were running around going like that like you could see it in you like you just fucking juiced up yeah you know i
3: you know uh i'm a i'm a level guy man and like fighting is really the only thing that like or winning i guess i should say is the only thing where i'm just like ah you know like it's worth it the yeah. life is worth it you know the life is worth
0: it yeah yeah Well, listen, man, I'm a fan. I appreciate you. Appreciate you coming in here. It was really cool to talk to you, and um, I'm super excited to see what happens for you. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Obviously, you know, this is like a a big deal to me, and I'm really,
3: really grateful that you asked me to do this. My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Big deal for me, too. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye, everybody. (laughs)